0: And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of June 2021, and we are in the midst of our Drinking Movies Month. I'm uh, off the this, is, <laughs> this is This uh, is sponsored by Kyle, uh, <laughs> who has all of the creative control this month, because uh, between the two of us, he is the only dranker. And uh, as he said, he is off the wagon uh, for the time being. He is, he's been stone cold sober for a little while. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's, happy, <laughs> he's happy to be back, though. <laughs> happy to be back at the habit. And uh, he is celebrating by subjecting me to a number of uh, what he likes to call drinking films. Yeah. Uh, so last week, uh, what did we talk about last week, Kyle?
1: Uh, was it with Noel and I, I believe.
0: Yes, which you characterized as a... Wine film. Yes, it's a wine, a wine, wine film. film, yes. And if we were recording... So what, go ahead. I was going to say, what what would you, how would you define a drinking movie, being as that's the title of this uh, month's event? Well, there's
1: a couple of different kinds of drinking movies. Uh, one kind of drinking movie is you're drunk at the end of the night and you're not ready to go to bed. You're waiting for the pizza to heat up, the garbage pizza to heat up in the oven. You're like, I want to watch another movie while I'm waiting for it. We'll crack another beer, maybe have two or three more. Eat this pizza and then pass out. It's something you might just throw on to throw on. Uh, good ones are like Can't Hardly Wait, Beer Fest, Godzilla 1998. Those are some of my favorites. Um, and then you have other times where you, you've had a couple of drinks and you're just kind of bored. And you're just like, I want something to drink along to. Like, they're drinking in the movie and I'd like to just drink along with them. So that's what this mo- this month is about. It's kind of those movies. Except for our last movie,
0: which is kind of a kind of a drunk movie for me. <laughs> Okay. Well, we will certainly get there when we get there, but I, I love the distinction. Uh, trash pizza. Yes. Trash pizza garbage is pizza, required. Yeah. yeah. Gar- yeah garbage, garbage pizza is, is required. We're, we're not ordering out. We're, uh, we're heading down to the frozen food aisle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not grabbing a DiGiorno. We are grabbing a Tombstone. Oh. Uh, and, <laughs> and... Not doing
1: Tombstone anymore. I do California Pizza Kitchen.
0: Yeah, or if you have a winco nearby, maybe one of those or mm-hmm. something. <laughs> we're not we're not going for high class shit, we're going for straight up garbage pizza. Yeah. Uh, if you if you got any tor- tortilla chips on hand, maybe get a can <laughs> a can of rat sauce to go with it. It's yep. so that kind of evening. You, you go ranch on dude. that shit, yeah. <laughs> and bring that shit out. Um yeah. but what's kind of funny about uh, the first half? of Drinking movie month. And I feel like, I feel like you kind of planned this out just a little bit. Uh, We start out, we start out like ultra classy. Mm -hmm. Like not only is it classy, it's, it's a criterion film for fuck's sake. It is. Uh, we talked about with and I from 1987, uh, which is a wine film, which, you know, in certain circles, I guess you could characterize that as classy, Depends on what kind of wine we're drinking. Yeah. If it's coming out of a box, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe maybe not a good pair with a Criterion film. No. Um, but then, as we progress through Drinking Movie Month, it seems like the class level continually drops. Oh yeah, yeah. It will.
1: <laughs> so uh, we
0: get more and more sloppy as we go. Uh, so. Kyle, what, what what movie are we going to be talking about this week?
1: Oh, this week we're going to be talking about Darkest Hour from 2017, uh, directed by Joe Wright, uh, starring Gary Oldman, Kristen Scott Thomas, Ben Mendelsohn, Lily James, and uh, Stephen Delane. Um, yeah, this one, I uh, because Gary Oldman won the Oscar for uh, this role, I was like, well, I'm going to watch it. And I didn't really hear much about it, and I just, I just haven't. I actually watched it one night. Uh, while well, I was having a few drinks and I ended up drinking along with it uh, throughout the film I'm like this movie is great it's just a great time it's a great time to you know drink along drink along with and it, I learned a little bit about a little something about Churchill because I knew nothing about the man so that I was a little hesitant to watch it too because I'm like I know nothing about Churchill like Close to nothing, except that he smoked a lot of cigars and he was a full blown alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> and he, he really is, but he's a function he, he is the definition of a functional alcoholic if this, uh, if this movie has any accuracy. Uh, I will tell you at the top, the best drink to go along with this film uh, is uh, I go with a nice uh, whiskey, uh, generally a bourbon or a rye, a nice shot of that on the rocks, a tall glass with uh, soda water and a couple splashes of bitters. Nice and hydrating. It's light. It's it's not too strong, and uh, it's it's nice to drink along with.
0: Very nice. That was going to be my first question. What drink would you pair with this particular drinking movie? And yeah, I I seem to recall hearing some rumors that uh, Churchill's daily routine was kind of reminiscent of like a, a watered down Hunter S. Thompson minus the drug use. Yeah, uh, he ha- he had his particular drug of choice, um, and if, apparently he was a frequent abuser throughout the day. But like you said, very very, functional, very if, functional if anything in this film is to be believed but um yeah this one came as a surprise to me as a selection for drinking movie month because as, as i just mentioned i mean the man that the film is based around yes i do know that he had a reputation for having a a walking glass of booze <laughs> pretty much 24 7 um but in my mind being as i I've, I've lived my life sober like my whole my whole existence. Um, Wrapping my head around the concept of a drinking movie is something I'm I'm still working at, but I'm hoping to get to the bottom of it at least somewhat by the time we get to the end of this month. But in the meantime, seems like you're pretty much two for two in terms of quality picks of you know regardless of whether they're drinking movies or not. I've enjoyed myself twice this month, uh, so hopefully we can keep that streak alive. Um, but yeah, this, this is a, a blind watch for me. I knew very little about this going in other than the fact that Gary Oldman was in it and, of course, won his Oscar off of it. Um, but I will say this much, the way this film was advertised, at least domestically in the U.S., I can't speak for in the U.K., but in the U.S., this movie was very poorly advertised. Mm-hmm. It was not made to look good. Even the makeup effects, which are actually incredible yes. to some degree. very much. Um, they picked, like, the worst shots of him. Like they they made it look bad, which is certainly not the case if you've actually seen the film. They actually kind of like do some stuff with the cinematography where they kind of dare you to look for the seams in the makeup. Like they they ram the camera right up into his face and they're like, "Do you see any seams? Because I don't." Um, It's really incredible stuff. But the way this movie was advertised, I, I remember like critics kind of ripping into it and being like, "Oh, that looks stupid." Like a lot there was a lot of pre-release like negativity surrounding it being like oh gary oldman's doing crazy shit with makeup and he's gonna play a fat man it's like so (laughs) the the (laughs) less you recognize him the better he is yeah and have you taken a look at his filmography like he can do literally anything you ask him to do so if if he's excited about a role get ready it's gonna be something special
1: yeah no like him in the fifth element hannibal i didn't know for years that he was in that movie as the guy with the mangled face, uh, but I think I think one of his top movies where he's unrecognizable or it's just like wow that's crazy is him in True Romance. That has got to be one of my favorite Gary Oldman role, roles of all time, and it's a small role, but it's great.
0: <laughs> oh, it's phenomenal, and he's absolutely terrifying in it. Um, I I defy you to pinpoint where where that speech effect comes from. He is Impossible. he is from. To quote the ultimate warrior, he is from parts unknown. Yeah. <laughs> but, Get yourself but an egg it, roll. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's an incredible performance, certainly aided by his makeup and his costuming. But that's that's always been the man's talent, is that he's a chameleon. Like, he can slip into pretty much anything. I mean, you gifted me Sid and Nancy. Yeah, I love he, Sid d- and He Nancy. disappears into that role. But then, hey, guess what? He also just happened to be, like, one of the best Commissioner Gordons we've ever had in cinema Correct. history. Correct, yes. Which... Is characterized as a warm character. Mm-hmm. This is the same fellow that played, you know, Dracula and played a Russian oh terrorist in Air Force One. I'm falling and- in
1: love again because I just rewatched that uh, that Bram Stoker's Dracula for the first time as an adult, and I just oh. I love that movie so much now. I'm so glad I watched it as an adult because he is awesome in that. Yeah,
0: I, I have the 4K disc sitting on my to-do list oh. right now. I still I still haven't popped it in, but um, I'm very excited to check that, Put one that out. Put that up to the top because... Oh, yeah. No, f- I, I talked about it at length uh, with Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast when we were talking about 4Ks the other day. And then I realized, oh, shit, I still haven't popped that sucker in. People talk <laughs> about
1: The Godfathers being one of the greatest films of all time. And Coppola is the director. I'm like, did you guys see Bram Stoker's Dracula? Because it's awesome.
0: No, I, I characterize it as similar to, like, War of the Rings in that it's like a every trick in the book kind of movie yeah. when it comes to effects work like they do literally everything and they do they do fucking shadow puppets in that movie shadow
1: puppets it works
0: <laughs> it works incredibly well yeah i'm excited to check that one out but we should talk about yeah darkest hour. darkest hour yeah so uh am i gonna have to do the plot summary kyle you can yeah let's do it yeah okay so uh folks at home if you're not aware uh I've had creative control of the show for the past couple of months, so I figured it would be nice to you know, pass the baton and let Kyle have a go at it. And uh, usually Kyle is the man, uh, the man on the street that gives us our plot summaries uh, up front. Uh, but now it's my turn. Yeah. And good God, I suck at it. Being as I'm, <laughs> I, haven't had, I haven't had the years of experience to back me up. So, so be kind. But uh, plot summary for Darkest Hour from 2017, directed by Joe Wright. Uh, this is a film about uh, one Winston Churchill uh, and his ascent to to the the office of Prime Minister of the United Kingdom Uh, and it's about the early stages of his his tenure in office Um, and the the major event that we're covering here has to do with the Dunkirk evacuation um, and the possibility of the Nazi invasion of the UK yes Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the majority of the plot of the film. Yeah, I, I think I summed that up decently well. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a movie that doesn't cover a whole lot of ground uh, chronologically. Uh, it's very focused in that regard. Uh, sometimes that's a liability, but on the whole, I, ju- I will say up front that I actually did quite enjoy this movie for the most part. Yeah. Um,
1: um, well, we'll say at the top that uh, Trevor and I do not know our European history uh, very well. So if we get anything incorrect it's based off of this film. We are basing what we know about the situation on this film. So don't get mad. Correct us if you want. Excuse me. Correct us if you want, but we, we don't know too much about this, so forgive us. Um and I can I can jump in and talk. I can talk about this one this time because I took I took a lot of notes. I I wanted to be as accurate as possible because like I said, we don't really know about this aside from this and the movie dunkirk like i didn't know about dunkirk until the movie dunkirk
0: well actually when we when we get to the dunkirk part of the the film which is i want to say like the halfway point essentially um i will have i have a few things i'd like to talk about there, mostly referencing other contemporary films uh contemporary to this film mm. um that i i'm gonna float them by you like if you've seen them or not because uh, i think it there's a, a trio of films that all came out within like a year of each other. Mm-hmm. They curiously enough explore the same events um, from different angles, and yeah. it makes for kind of a neat little like triad of films covering the Dunkirk situation. Yeah,
1: it's kind of like *Tora Tora Tora*. It's like you get to see both sides. You see like Japanese uh, Japanese pilots. You get you get different different views.
0: Perspectives are always fascinating for major historic events. But mm-hmm. yeah, Kyle, I'll let you uh, carry us through this one.
1: All right, so it's May 9th, 1940. Uh, Hitler's invaded Czechoslovakia, Poland, Denmark, and Norway. Uh, this is the what we get at the beginning. We get like a little, not scroll, they just kind of get you, okay, this is what's happening so far. Uh, Three million German troops are now poised uh, on the Belgian border, ready to conquer the rest of Europe. In Britain, Parliament has lost faith in its leader, Neville Chamberlain. Uh, he's the prime minister at the time. The search for a replacement has already begun, um, and that was it. There we go. Uh, so we, uh, <laughs> I thought the next. I thought there was more to that, uh, but it's uh, the the next two characters that we're learning about. So we have um, Halifax, played by Stephen Delane, uh who played Stannis Baratheon on uh, Game of Thrones, who was a very frustrating character, uh, and uh, I won't. I'll just leave it at that. His his story arc, you'll have to discover on your own. Uh, and then Ronald Pickup playing Chamberlain, Neville Chamberlain. Um, and the beginning of the movie starts in Parliament. We got three guys in the curly wig sitting there. And I love their Parliament. It's so entertaining. Because it's just... It looks like two parties sitting opposite each other and the speaker of one party is talking about how neville chamberlain is incompetent he's screwed everything up and more or less they're asking for his resignation but that the papers the smacking and the waving of the papers is so much fun i'm like god i wish our 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 senate would do that (laughs) it looks so cool
0: yeah it it's watching scenes like this that uh, make me understand like how how a show like hamilton kind of came together on a conceptual level Mm -hmm. where it's like if you think about the idea of like a parliamentary hearing or, or just like the nature of the English language and how it's it can be very combative and uh, in certain circles, having a, a strong vocabulary or a certain speech affect can be really powerful um, for like carving out a niche for yourself or establishing dominance in a room. Um, and like I could totally see a situation like this, like mirroring that of like a rap battle or something. Oh yeah, um, just like a war of words with an audience, a rowdy audience at that. Um, oh but yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what yeah. you're seeing with with the rattling of the papers, and like it's kind of interesting seeing the way that Parliament, this, the English Parliament, kind of like handles their their shit here with their governments, because uh, we don't, we never really did that we don't do that in modern times at least in the states everything's a little maybe too orderly yeah uh, but other parts no. of the world like <laughs> I, I love seeing like uh what was it the, the ukrainian politics where i think it was uh it wasn't vladimir Klitschko, it was uh his brother i, I he, was, he was like choking a dude and punch him in the face yeah. in the middle in the middle of politics and i was like damn like that's that's passion i guess but um, yeah, like, the, the movie opens in a very stylish way with, like, a gliding camera coming down into the hall, and uh, this is where we get a sample of the the style of lighting that we'll be getting throughout the entire film. Natural. Uh, I wouldn't characterize this as natural. This is almost, like, abrasive. Like, like it's very wh- white light. Well, um, I know... And, and more than that, though, it's the angle of it. Everything's overhead. Everything's bearing down on
1: people. Well, the, I, li- I think that might be one of the reasons why I like this movie is... Uh, a lot of it, it's like sun coming through the windows lighting, especially when we see Ben Mendelsohn as the king, uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, Clemmy, his wife. Uh, a lot of like the indoor shots, especially when he's out of the bunker, are just a lot of light, like natural light coming through the windows.
0: Yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of that. Um, I wouldn't characterize it as natural like in terms of like the sourcing of the light. Like it's clearly yeah. artificially generated. Yeah. It's not like the thirteenth warrior or some shit where we're running around with torches all day long. Or mother, um, yeah. Or mother for that matter. But um yeah, there's a lot of white beams of light bearing down on people. It almost feels like like I don't know, church like or something. But yeah. um characterized by like a very intense, like searing white quality to it. But um yeah, this this opening monologue from this fella is scathing. Do you know he who is? This, just ripping this guy a new one do you know who this guy is I recognize his face Kyle but educate me
1: he is one exactly he's one of those guys like I've seen this dude in a billion things his name pirates is Di- yes he's in pirates Hi- of the Caribbean yes yeah he, yeah yeah he's in gladiator uh, he is in from hell he's in a lot of stuff uh, but he is that he's one of those that guy that face and I was watching this this time and I'm like I never picked up on I' am like I think it's that guy. And I looked it up I'm like, holy crap, it is that guy. Well, his name's David Schofield.
0: Okay, well he certainly has a punchable face, but now yes. we've confirmed that he has a punchable mouth as well because yeah. Oh my god, He's he great. is yeah. he is vicious. Yeah. Um and yeah, this is this is a well constructed argument that they have against uh Chamberlain. Um, and the whole time, the guy's just kind of sitting there taking yeah, it, taking it, just, like just, a- just taking it. <laughs> yeah. And
1: uh, Winston isn't present right now. You can see like there's a little little placard or something that's supposed to be for his spot. And uh, we get, if we even I don't even think we've met him yet. We uh, we actually uh, cut from this scene to like a a like nice like tuxedo dinner and they're talking about the next moves basically chamberlain says like listen i'm going to be resigning and halifax you should probably step in And all the guys oh yes the fat cats are like yes this this, is perfect and uh, he's like no it's not my time and they're all like wait what you're not gonna you're not gonna step in and i don't know the, the the context for this i don't know if this is historically accurate but it seems like halifax didn't really want to deal with hitler like, I feel like he was kind of taking the back seat and like, let somebody else deal with him and then I'll come in after that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know enough about the man to, to say either way. But the way he's characterized in the film, I think I think that's an accurate assessment, um, because, as you said, everyone in the room just assumes like, oh, he's the right guy for the job. Yeah. Um, and actually, he does seem capable, just unwilling um so it could just be that like you said he's biding his time or something although we'll find out like the end credits of the film that didn't exactly work out if that was indeed the plan um but yeah it comes up more than once in the film that everyone around him seems to think he's the best guy for the job he just doesn't want it yeah um which is troubling uh being as uh he's heavily involved with like attempting to depose winston churchill as we go throughout the plot he's kind of our like chief antagonist to be honest beyond Hitler that is yeah
1: (laughs) in a sense yes he's the chief antagonist uh but at the same time he's still like he wants to work with Winston but he's he's expecting that he's not going to cooperate
0: it's a relationship that's very well represented in the film it's something Mm -hmm. that's tricky to pull off but I liked I liked how they did it in this film where he's he's a peer Yes, like he he was actually brought into Churchill's cabinet specifically for that purpose. He is an act, but, He's
1: like I like, I've, I've sent I've, I filled this cabinet with old rivals for a reason, and I I, I admire that. I understand that. Yeah.
0: Well, different perspectives. Exactly. They're they're very useful, um, even if they're you know kind of a hindrance at times. But I did like that that he's he's never made to look ugly to the point that he's like straight up just a bad guy. It's like no, he he has his own perspective. It just happens to differ from the guy who we're spending. 90 percent of the movie with so it comes across as abrasive but um yeah he says new no, and then we're kind of on our way to meet winston
1: oh uh, yeah I, I love this opening uh we before we even get up there he like has now lily james is a character now she's in downton abbey and i'm pretty sure she's a pretty uh she's a pretty famous british actress like she's pretty well known i haven't seen a ton with her in it uh but her character is kind of like not useless, but she's barely a character in the movie, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I I feel like maybe there was some some form of studio politicking going on in here, mm-hmm. where it's like we have a we have an old people movie on our hands. Yes, maybe we should get and maybe we should find a way to insert a young a young into the film. <laughs> well,
1: like you said, like this is kind of like Lincoln, where we're not covering the man's entire. The entire career we're just going to cover a short portion of it similar it's a dad movie <laughs> this this is you know, this is, it, this is totally
0: folks. this is this is a united kingdom dad movie yeah. um but yeah i'm glad you brought up lincoln because yeah. i did think of them as being kind of parallel to each other yeah. but um yeah if you just glance at the cast and even the the events that this film covers it's like yeah we do have a problem here where in terms of selling this film to a broader audience you know actually making our money back. Kind of oh, yeah, in danger no, no. of tol- of totally losing the young, you know, UK you people. <laughs> you lost it when you yeah, made a movie you...
1: about Winston Churchill.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's like hmm, maybe we should put you know the young like Disney gal into the movie because I think she was in the Kenneth Branagh like Cinderella and I could see that. I think I think legitimately the only thing I've seen her in was Baby Driver. I haven't um, seen that. Which I guess maybe I just don't watch Lily James type movies, but yeah, my guess as to why she's here. Uh, is it's a very small role. It's it's. I, I doubt this was based on a real person. Um, my guess is just so they can put her on the marquee or something.
1: Um, so I should mention uh, a little something about Winston's drinking habits here in just a sec. But, yeah, she's being introduced. She's the new typist, and this guy's giving him the rundown. Like, listen, he mumbles a lot, so you have to pay close attention to what he's saying. Uh, he wants tr- double-spaced or... I think he says double-spaced or single space. it doesn't really matter because whatever happens next is the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> double-spaced. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but so, Winston's drinking habits. Now, um, a few like YouTubers or people have just taken on themselves to take the, like, Winston's drinking challenge. Like, this guy took it upon himself. He's like, I'm going to, this is a, apparently what Winston would drink on a normal basis. And they kind of uh, hint at it in the movie as well. Like, in the guy's talking on the balconies about him, you know. Uh but apparently he would have uh, a little bit of um, uh, bourbon or like a little bit of whiskey with soda water, and it wouldn't be a ton of bourbon. It would just be like a, a just not even half a shot, just just a little bit of bourbon with soda water, which is basically just kind of hair of the dog. And the, in this scene, they have him drinking like a full glass of whiskey. I don't know how accurate that is, but this guy he's like, all right, I'm gonna have these uh, scotch and sodas just throughout the day, uh, a bottle of champagne at lunch and then some more of the, the whiskey and uh, soda waters, and then a bottle of champagne with dinner, and then port. And after, he was like, I'm, I'm hammered. I can't even do this. Like I can't do this at all. But, yeah, we, we see him getting his breakfast. He gets soda water, whiskey, some ham. It looked like white wine as well. Uh, it looked like there was a Chardonnay on
0: there. Yes, there most certainly was several slices of toast, but it's important to note cigar and... Uh, booze take precedence before he touches anything on his plate cigar booze double double hand like one in each hand (laughs) i love
1: how we're introduced to him as well uh we're introduced to him laying in bed but somebody uh, draws the curtains back and he just lights a cigar and immediately gets to work it's like he woke up and it's straight to work and that work ethic carries throughout the film um and it's funny he's he just starts talking to her and he's like, just start typing. This is, you, know, <laughs> you just get to it. And of course, it was supposed to be single-spaced. Um, and because he, he mumbles, it's ripe, not ripe, pa <laughs> pa <laughs> um, I think it's important to note that I, I looked up what his job was before uh, he took over as prime minister. He was first R- lord of the admiralty, which is head of the Royal Navy. Uh, and he was the senior advisor on all naval affairs. And that's—I think—it's that's very important to know for Dunkirk.
0: Yes, um, which would probably play into him having a, a hand in actually strategizing, like to for the evacuation. It makes
1: sense that uh, he would be somebody that they would think of for the position at this time.
0: Yeah, and they do reference uh, World War One. Uh, apparently, he was involved in a, uh, a little bit of a fiasco, uh, Gallipoli. Uh, that, Made a fucking Mel Gibson movie about it. It was, uh, it, was Africa, it was kind it right? was kind of a. F- it was a big old fuck up involving the Turkish army and stuff. Um but is yeah, that the he movie is kinda
1: with, uh Anthony Hopkins uh Mel Gibson.
0: Uh beats me. I don't okay. know if Hopkins was in it, but um What's anyway, it? yeah. I'm sorry, it, go ahead. it's called Gallipoli, and they do actually reference it. Uh it's used as uh, ammunition for uh kind of condemning his uh decision making ability. Uh, during the planning for dunkirk um but yeah uh, poor lily james uh, gets torn a new one mm-hmm. uh, he he just berates her as she's trying to type up his words and he does mumble like it, yes you know it, it, but like it's on the subject of mumbling kyle we should talk about his uh gary oldman's performance here mm-hmm. so i mean i've i've only heard uh, i think I think that his iconic speech, like, we'll fight them on the beaches and whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, the, the way the film concludes. I think that may have been, I think I read somewhere that it was recorded after the fact. Like, he delivered the speech in Parliament, and then a version of it was re- was broadcast later. Um, I've, so he he's he's recited it more than once, is all I'm saying.
1: I think his one that he does on the radio, I've listened to that one. I think I looked that up. I have, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I have too. And, uh, you know, thanks to the graininess of the recording and stuff, it's actually kind of difficult to pick out exactly what the man sounded like. But how would you characterize Gary Oldman's vocal performance in this film?
1: He, he, he sounds like. What's that cartoon character? Droopy? droopy dog. He sounds like Droopy Dog. <laughs> yeah.
0: He. It 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 does sound, sound like Joopy Dog Joopy the dog
1: Quick Gary Oldman <laughs> brings an energy to him When he has to raise his voice There's a moment I believe it was in the trailer uh, I don't even think it was in the trailer But when he's like That's why I'm sitting in this chair Like it's a good moment Like you feel that
0: Yeah how Something about How dare you interrupt me While I'm interrupting That's, you That was the one in the trailer <laughs> Yeah they made it seem a little more goofy In the trailer
1: Yes, they did. But he's like, no, I will. He's like, no, I will take responsibility. And he's like, will you? He's like, yes, motherfucker. Like, <laughs>
0: yeah, he does turn into Gary Oldman from time to time. He'll flip
1: that switch. Yeah,
0: it's funny actually. I remember hearing that one of a uh, Gary Oldman's uh, more proud performances actually it was in the call of duty black ops games really um he said he had a ball doing the vocal performance for a a russian character that he plays in those games because he he just got to scream at the top of his lungs and be fucking batshit crazy i can see that and I've seen footage of him in the recording booth. He is having a ball. No. <laughs> like it, he's having like Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin levels of fun with the role. <laughs> uh, fun fact
1: uh, about this movie I learned on the Graham Norton show. Uh, he went through about $30,000 of cigars while filming this. Uh, and he had to have a colonoscopy after this as well. <laughs> I think he had nicotine poisoning or something, but... Oh Although. Jesus! <laughs> oh, and in that same that same uh, episode, I learned that Hugh Jackman is one of the greatest and sweetest men, uh, one of the greatest sweetest actors of all time. Uh, find, if you can find the clip, it, it's really it's really nice. Um, he he pays him just a, a tremendous compliment. It, it's very nice. Um, I think Halifax has. Uh, so yeah, she gets chewed out, and we get uh, introduced to Kristen Scott Thomas as Clemmie, his wife, and she's just like, mm. "Did he yell at you?" And she goes up and, like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, hang on, you stay here. Uh, she goes up and gets on to him about that, which is funny. Uh, she's, I like her in this movie.
0: Um, she's great. Yeah, like, she she's, like, kind of the definition of, you know, a woman from a certain point in time that, you know, probably would be afforded a lot more opportunities today. Um, tough lady, but unfortunately knows the realities of the time in which she lives, but still manages to have kind of a, You know, a semi sweet slash beautiful relationship with with her guy. She has. Despite her frustrations, her daily frustrations.
1: I could almost watch a movie about her because she brings such a sadness to this character. Like, she just. She's uh, appreciative of where she's at and she's very understanding of where she's at, but there's still that um, regret, I feel, that she has. Like, this. I could have had a different life, but this
0: is what I went with. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, it it's it's something actually I would have liked to have seen a little more of. To be I honest. Do, I agree. Cause the the two of them together on screen are, are there's a lot there's a lot of depth to their relationship that you, you feel like it, they their performances are such that you you feel the years that they've they've gone through right? together. Which yeah, she, it's it's kind of remarkable because yeah. she has very little screen time, especially with him. In fact, um, but every time it's just like yeah, they're very convincing as a an a elderly couple that have been together through a lot. It feels natural, yeah. It does, very feel. natural.
1: Um, I can't. I don't know if Halifax has had a, a meeting with uh, the king before uh, he is summoned to the king. Uh, but that's basically what's happening. Uh, come to find out that uh, the king is going to approve of Winston. He's, he's like, I thought it would be you, Halifax. He's like, no, but it's not my time. We're gonna have Winston in here. And he summoned, and I. This is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie: is him being introduced to Ben Mendelsohn as uh, King George the Sixth, I believe.
0: Uh, it's it's kind of comedy gold, but mm. it's it's like the driest form of comedy. It's great. Um, it's I, it's terrific. I love like, Ben I really Mendelsohn
1: as it. I love Ben Mendelssohn as the king.
0: No, he he's great, but um, yeah, we we actually get like a a shot leading up to the. The meeting of the two powers between the future prime Minister and the king um where it's it's just Winston Churchill being driven to the palace, and uh we get a shot that the only reason i I focus on it here is because we call back to it in the final act of the film, yeah, where it's just him observing like the British public uh, go about their day and I think he muses to himself that it's like it, you hardly believe that there was a war going on just over there yeah um so it's. It's like one of those things. that's like, yeah, we'll we'll probably take another look at this street yeah. like a, f- a few weeks from now. We'll see how things look then. He also um, he also mentions that he's never
1: rode the bus, and he's like, yeah, I've never rode the bus. And he's like, I believe I can boil an egg. That's because I've seen it done. <laughs> that was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that, that's a fun way of putting it. It's like, yeah, I think he even says like because I've seen it done. Like I, otherwise I wouldn't. Otherwise I don't think I'd be capable. Uh,
1: yeah, the meeting with Halifax is happening, and Cham- no, it's with a meeting with Chamberlain. Uh, he's yeah. he's resigning with the
0: king. Um, yeah. and go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Chamberlain and Halifax are kind of like our our. Uh- are Riddler and Two-Face yes. for this movie. They are the Riddler and Two-Face. <laughs> they're constantly scheming on the sides. Yes. They don't do a whole lot, but they're constantly talking shit about Winston behind his back. Yeah. And the the running theme of their discussions is uh is he fit for the job? Oh shit, he bungled it. He's not fit for the job. We should totally find a way to to do a vote of no confidence on him and get him kicked out. At which point I don't think I don't think Halifax even wants to take power then but he he's caddied to the point that he wants him out at some point in the film and that just becomes his main agenda both he and chamberlain throughout most of the film but yeah they're already chilling at the palace by the time winston gets there
1: they do note that he was right about hitler and i think that's part of the reason why like yeah no no they he he called he had his number he knew that this guy was going to be a problem Um,
0: apparently that's how he he was selected like second to halifax was that um Chamberlain was was booted out because uh, he failed to see the potential danger. Like he he failed to give it notice, and the British public were outraged. That's like, dude, shit's going on right over there. Why aren't we getting ready for it?
1: We should say at the top. I don't know anything about Winston Churchill. I've heard that he wasn't a great person. Like he had some he had some bad stuff going on. And based on what this film has given us, you have to admire the man for what he pulled off. Uh, it was probably a very difficult decision, but he you know he managed to uh, to get get the job done that he needed to do. Uh, But yes, so Winston was right about Hitler and now he's about to meet the king. Uh, Now, from what I understand, uh, when you meet the queen, you're supposed to let her talk first. And I was paying attention to it uh, when I was paying attention this time to see if that's how it was with the king. But Winston's actually the first one that walks. But this is so awkward. They don't even, like, the king is just standing inside his, I guess it's his office, uh, in the doorway, but he's like 10 feet uh, on the other side of the door, he's not even like in the office. And Winston just kind of saunters in and they're standing a good, you know, ten feet away from each other in the office. <laughs> and uh and uh King George is like, you know why I've summoned you here? And he's like, I couldn't have a possible idea why you'd be summoning me here. <laughs> <laughs> I think he scoffed <laughs> he has like a laugh, like he, he kinda laughs at him like, ha, really um
0: well yeah I, I think he's trying to play coy like yeah. uh, you and i both know why i'm here but there's there's a ceremony there's decorum that has to be observed here and i find stuff like this like it, always incredibly fascinating mm-hmm. like customs and and bizarre rituals like this that just from an outsider's perspective it's just like what the fu-? <laughs> like why do we still do this but the answer to that question is always because we do mm-hmm. um <laughs> and and it's always really fascinating to see how these rituals continually are continued to be observed. Like you said, having the queen speak first. Um, and even the way he exits the room after their discussion, it's like, there's a proper way to do everything. Well, it
1: seems like he was told how to do it, but forgot. Like, cause it doesn't seem like, is this how he was supposed to do it? Cause it seems off. And the King's not like at this point in society, they're not going to wrap you on the knuckles or behead you for doing something wrong. It's just like, Oh, you kind of muffed it up. Like it, it's not really a big deal but yeah
0: yeah and also it's a private meeting so even yeah. if he fucked up it's like you exactly. know only the king's gonna do it and again he's a man of such high station that it would probably not be proper for him to point out that he fucked it up
1: <laughs> And i don't know anything i don't know anything about king george the sixth uh he just seems he seems so chill because i like i don't know his upbringing just seems so different uh because when he asks him he's like so we would need to meet, uh, he's like, uh, like like Thursdays at 4 or something like that, or Mondays at 4, he's like, well, I nap at 4. He's like, is that permissible? And he's like, no, but necessary. <laughs> I love that exchange. So-
0: no, that, that's that's great. But, I mean, if you look at the man, he does look like a man who enjoys a good nap. Yeah. Like a good midday nap. <laughs> but, but yeah, just the awkwardness of the blocking. Like, like he said, his positioning, he's like standing by the windowsill, there's furniture in the room. Yeah. You could totally sit down. You could pop a seat behind a desk. You're the fucking king. It wouldn't be s- out of the question.
1: Somewhat accommodating. Yeah. It's yeah. It's yeah, cool. <laughs> but no, he's
0: just like standing halfway into the room. <laughs> and he's like kinda awkwardly close to all the like expensive looking furnishings and stuff. But but yeah, as soon as Winston stands in the doorway, he's like, It's just my duty to inform you that you are the prime minister. <laughs> and it's like okay and and like that's kind of the extent of the conversation he's like well that was smooth he's yep. like yes that was- it was mm-hmm. now come kiss the fucking ring kiss the ring <laughs> um yeah
1: so yeah he's gonna be prime minister now and he heads back to the i don't know what the house is where wherever the prime minister is supposed to be uh and i know that i believe this is the same king from the king speech that uh, this king had a he had a stutter and a bit of a speech impediment, and I think Halifax does too. If you if you picked up on that,
0: uh, this is where it'd be nice to have uh, a legitimate British person on the podcast. I know, I try. Yeah, we'll we'll probably get to that <laughs> at some point. Hopefully, <laughs> we've done it before. We, uh, stay tuned, folks. We most certainly will again. But yeah. um, I know that I know that the UK is much like other parts of the world where there are different accents every. Every correct block, yeah basically um and yeah i did notice some uh, like auditory similarities between halifax and the king's accent only problem is i don't know what that accent is uh the thing that jumps out at me and i i have a semi-educated ear when it comes out comes to like picking up on like quirks in people's speech uh, is there's a lot of w's in place of r's yes yeah. so, like uh- the word the word from is flum
1: yeah well i know i do know that one of the kings had a speech impediment i'm assuming it's this one because you can you could see the stutter like you can see
0: but in the case of
1: halifax i
0: think it's an accent why? Um,
1: it, he, i would say there was definitely some w's in there where there should be yeah,
0: i think halifax just legit has an accent whereas okay. the king um ben mendelson i i think the way he was going about it was uh, he was speaking in a very measured pace like, you can tell that, like, and actually, he does have some, like, <clears throat> kind of shit yeah. going on there every once in a while. I think the idea was that, yes, he did have a speech impediment, but he's working on it. Yeah. He's like Sylvester Stallone post Rocky 2. Like, he, <laughs> he's getting better. Trying to <laughs> he's, <learn laughs> he's working how to at speak. it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, he put time and money into correcting that. Well, he's come a long way.
1: His, uh, his. I thought it was his assistant, but I, he calls him his minister of war at some point. Uh, the guy, uh, you you see him occasionally. Um, oh, Ant Anthony. Yeah, Anthony. Um, they have a little. They have a crack at the 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 king's speech impediment when he comes back. Um, but there's a funny. Um, a funny gag, and he's like, "I'm surprised they didn't give it to Halifax. I'm surprised Halifax turned it down." He's like, uh, "Why did Halifax turn it down?" He's like, "Halifax didn't turn it down. He's the fourth
0: son of an earl. Fourth sons turned nothing down." <laughs> I yeah, like, I, I had a good chuckle at that line too, because it's like, yeah, you know, if I was playing, you know, high stakes politics, fuck yes, you know.
1: <laughs> and I, I like how we get a little glimpse into his dynamic with his kids. So in that beginning scene when we're introduced to him. Uh, his son calls, and he's like, "Okay, give it to me." And he has just a quick, just a quick little. He has a good laugh with his son. He's like, "Okay, talk to you later, boy." But his whole family are here for a toast, and they're all in gas masks, which is uh, chilling. Um, but you've got uh, the one daughter is like trying to help him sit down. He's just like, "Get the." <laughs> he kind of spots her away. It's <laughs> just funny. Um, but this toast that his uh, that Clemmy gives, and it was like we we realized well at least i realized that i would be second to to public service and she's like now we've gone through all this we've had to deal with it in our own way and his one son just like knocks one back so you can kind of i'm glad you
0: noticed like yeah that was a really that was a really good bit of editing and blocking where it's like we've all dealt with it in our own ways gulp Gulp. (laughs) Um, but she's like it's like, yeah, we've been second
1: this whole time, but now it actually counts for something. Now we've actually, you've achieved what you wanted to achieve. And I was like, it's, it's really bittersweet. It's like, yeah, it's, it's nice that she can see the, the the positive side of it, but it's unfortunate that that's how she feels.
0: Yeah. There's that element of melancholy where it's like, had he not done as well as he did, this family would be intensely embittered towards him. Mostly. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's a really neat scene where we we don't really get characterization for anyone in the family aside from Clemmy, but just to see them all gathered together and just the the lensing, like the way we fixate on certain like sons or daughters faces at certain beats in her her speech here, it really does tell the tale of 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 this whole family's journey that's like yeah, there was a lot of neglect. There was there was a lot of them kind of putting their own problems aside so he could become as successful as he was, but um, yeah, it, it man, the more we talk about her, it's like it'd be nice to have just the more of the two of them honestly, but that's part of the speech honestly is mm. that it's not the two of them for the most part. It's usually just him. I feel um, like we, so yeah
1: <laughs> we got just the right amount of Ben Mendelssohn as the king because I, I really like I really like the king in this movie. I don't know why I, I think it's like Ben Mendelssohn in general.
0: Yeah, I was really happy that he came back. Because, mm. like, for a long time, we're kind of starved for him. And then he comes back and he has, like, one big scene that really, really makes you happy. That's like, yeah, that's yeah. proper use of your Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so now we've got May 13th, the Parliament speech. This is him accepting the role and what he's planning to do. Uh, and I believe he, he, does he say we're going to fight here? Oh, so there's something important, is to get the uh, support of his side and... Uh, Basically, uh, Chamberlain has to sign off on it, and for Chamberlain to sign off on it, he has to dab his forehead with his handkerchief, and then he'll get the support. Well, I'm not entirely sure what's all said in this speech, but basically, he does not get the the thumbs up from Chamberlain. Did you catch the joke that he has with Antony here?
0: Uh, no, what was that, Kyle? Oh, uh, oh gosh.
1: What does he say? I didn't write it down because I had to go back and like see it on the subtitles. I thought i remember it. He's like... Um, he's like well uh, we've like we've shocked them or something or oh, no, no I'm like uh, repugnant to them and, he's, and they both at the same time gotta start somewhere it's, it's a funny little joke between the two of them but yeah, yeah. the party is not happy about the war speech uh, he says a war cabinet has been formed um, and this is where Chamberlain and Halif- Halifax uh, scheme their plan they're like he didn't say peace talks one time on there he's crazy we got to get him out of there. How do we get him out of there?
0: Yeah, it, it comes across as maybe a little delusional or detached on his part um, because as, as the opening slides of the movie kind of laid out to us, uh, things are looking grim uh, for a lot of Western Europe at this point mm-hmm. in time. Uh, the U.K. is safe because they have a body of water separating themselves from you know the main body continent of Europe. Um, but the speech that he delivers, his first address to Parliament, comes across as kind of delusional. Where it's like, like everybody in this room knows the reality of the situation. Um, and you were kind of brought in here to fill this role because you seemed like you were, you know, on the same page. Like mm-hmm. you had the your finger to the pulse of the public. Um, but nothing you're saying right now reflects that position. Um, so, yeah, he does not get the support of Cham- Chamberlain or the opposition party and yeah, uh, we get a pr- private moment in the gardens between Halifax and Chamberlain uh, establishing the scheme that uh, we had mentioned earlier. Uh, the- Chamberlain also mentions that he is suffering from cancer, yeah. so he hasn't got long at this point. Um, and it's this is also where the subject of Halifax taking the post as prime minister is mentioned is reiterated. And again, he declines. So it's like, what is your deal, man? Yeah. <laughs> like you, you, you wanted the guy in, now you want him out. And you still don't want in. Are you just like fucking with the the pieces on the chessboard just for fucking with them? Yeah, I think he's just
1: he doesn't want the responsibility of dealing with Hitler and he wants to come in later. Uh, let somebody else screw up and then let me come in after it's, you know, after it's all different. Um, he says that we have to get him on record saying that he will not consider peace talks. So that's what we have to do. So the war the war room becomes very important because that's what Halifax's game is. Um, we get to go down to the bunker, which there is an elevator from his, uh, house down to the bunker. And you may know this about me by now listening to this. Uh, one of my dream jobs is to be, uh, uh, working in a van with a, a pot of coffee, uh, doing surveillance. This is a close second is, uh, working in an underground bunker. Cause when we get down there, I'm like, Oh, there's no sunlight. There's just telecommunications and a big, there's a big map up there too. Oh man. I was so excited for the big map.
0: Yeah. So like folks at home, if you need a visual aid, uh, Kyle's dream job is to be a Jack Black in the van in uh, Enemy of the State. Yes. Or uh, any of the CIA analysts in any of the Bourne movies, the Jason Bourne films. Yes. Um, I think I'd rather be Jack Black just because those poor analysts that have to do all the typing and all the surveillance work. Man, they, they have so many guys in suits just shouting in their fucking ear and telling them to yeah. enhance or magnify faster. <laughs> it's yeah, like, God for, damn it, I can only do it so fast.
1: Yeah, thank you for giving me Jack Black and not Seth Green. I appreciate that.
0: Well, Yeah, no, Kyle, like, come on. Yeah. Like, there's a clear winner between the two of them. And it's yeah. most certainly Mr. Black.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Although
0: Robot Chicken is, is certainly worth its weight in gold.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. Robot Chicken is is pretty excellent. I, w- I will give Seth Green that. Um, so we are we're gonna meet with the French Premier. Uh, that's kind of the next big thing, and we get a moment where Winston is all you know having his Sky Whiskey, as you are one to do. <laughs> Sky Whiskey. He's <laughs> uh, bring the bar with him. Oh, there there is a note for when uh, during Prohibition he visited the United States that he had a prescription for liquor. He's like he has to have. Uh, he has to have liquor while he's in the United States.
0: That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Um,
1: (laughs) Sky whiskey. Sky whiskey. Uh, because this isn't a commercial flight. Like this is a, this is a, this is a military flight and there's whiskey on board. This bourbon is mobile. (laughs) Yeah. So did you see, um, so there's a shot of, you see Winston, like looking down at people on the ground and there's a kid looking up at the plane, and he just he takes his fingers and wraps around his eye, and he's just like looking at the plane through his like his head, like like a little hand telescope. And I don't, it's just there, and I don't, I don't really care for it, but I'm just like, why is it there?
0: Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it's a nice stylistic flourish, which is something that this movie has quite a bit of in its first half, anyway. Uh, it it kind of starts to lose a little bit of that Um, it loses a little bit of its momentum and its creativity at least from a visual standpoint towards the middle Um, but there's a lot of interesting like camera movements a lot of crane work like i said the very first shot of the movie is like a dipping swooping crane shot into the halls of parliament Um, and then there's a lot of stuff like this but um, there's a recurring visual motif of isolating churchill Mm -hmm. Um, in this instance, it doesn't really make sense being as he's on a crowded airplane with his sky whiskey. He's very cozy in this moment. Um, but like shooting shooting the plane from that perspective, like turning it into just like a little peephole essentially tracking the plane, it does isolate the figure and later on we'll have instances of him like in his elevator and it's the corners of the, the screen aside from the elevator, it's all black. and then of course there's his phone booth. Um, it's also the can, I think, yeah. <laughs> uh, and in the bunker. We also have him isolated there. So maybe it has something to do with like introducing that visual theme. Um, but it's, it's a neat element, especially because um, we do cut back to that kid uh, a little bit later. Yeah. So maybe that's part of it. That could maybe be that's something. what we're trying to do is create a emotional anchor in the form of a child on the ground uh, in France uh, that we'll call back to in a few minutes here.
1: Yeah, we because uh, I guess he is kind of isolated with how he's dealing with
0: this. Um, like I said, yeah. the the family—that's the last time we see them in this movie, basically. And his wife and him are together a couple minutes for the rest of the movie. And
1: Anthony's the only one that's on his side, really.
0: Um, yeah, no. So he he's very much an isolated figure, and like you said, also his work ethic. Mm-hmm. He, it's the things that are bothering him. The things, the responsibilities that are weighing down on him, are never absent from his mind. Despite, despite however many Sky Whiskies he may imbibe, uh, he's still on the job all the time as best he can be.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so he has a meeting with the uh, French Premier uh, on an airfield just in a, in a hangar. It's just the two of them. And they've got the full bar uh, on the table already ready for him. Uh, and he starts speaking to him in French and he's not doing a great job. And I like how the Premier's just like, you know what? We should probably just do this in English. Um, so I guess France hasn't quite been invaded. Well, he didn't think France had been invaded yet. So the premier informs him that uh, the German tank, inv- the German tank uh, invasion has happened uh, without infantry, and he's like, "Well, that's not an invasion. An invasion is tanks with infantry." And he's he's not. He's like, "This is not an invasion." So he didn't really appreciate at the time uh, how advanced the Germans were after World War One, as far as their technology um but i think that i think kind of that ignorance helped him out in the long run because the yeah the after this meeting the, the premier is just like he's delusional like he does not get what's happening right now
0: yeah no he he certainly had to hit the books after this cuz this was kind of an embarrassment mm-hmm. um you know in the face of a very desperate you know french premier yeah. Um, but yeah, he did have a meeting with with his military advisors beforehand, and they did explain to him that's like, dude, these tanks are not the tanks yeah. that we saw last time the world was at war. Uh, these tanks can move without a crew. These tanks can fill up, they say they can fill up at a petrol station. yeah, yeah. Um, they don't need special maintenance. they don't need special gasoline or anything. They can just go listen um, Ger- without a crew.
1: Germans were very embarrassed about that first world war they have been mainlining amphetamines for the past 10 years 20 years uh just working on this shit so they're insane yeah western europe is going to collapse um let's see here
0: and yeah also he's a not only is he kind of made to look like a bit of a fool in front of the premiere for for his ignorance um also he's he's Baffled by the fact that the French are giving in, mm-hmm. that he he's like, so what's your plan he's of like, counterattack? What plan? Yeah. He's like, there is no counterattack. We're we we have lost. Yeah. <laughs> like like we we are this close to folding essentially. The movie Inglorious um, Bastards all- <laughs> is going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, there's a way more entertaining movie yeah. going on right over there. You're keeping me here though in this fucking hangar. By the way, this hangar meeting kind of made me think of Iron Man two with Sam Rockwell and uh, Bard. Mickey Rourke. bird bird.
1: yes my board (laughs) i remember nothing else from that movie except for that scene
0: (laughs) um but yeah we get a a cute scene here that almost felt like like out of a musical or something or a disney movie or something where it's it's just like a grand library Mm -hmm. and we 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 have this scene like perfectly blocked out where all these uh all these politicians are doing the the walk and talk Mm -hmm. and they they keep like fading behind like pillars and stuff, in perfect time for the camera to catch the next duo of of grumpy politicians talking shit oh, it's about charming. Churchill. Yeah. But this also serves as like uh, a recitation of Winston Churchill's Wikipedia page, yeah, essentially. It's background, because this scene is is like a a one and a half minute breakdown of all the basic building blocks of Winston Churchill's like general silhouette so like his drinking habits and the fact that he has a million ideas a day most of which are dangerous and shitty but he's a thinker it's it's (laughs) it's
1: breaking the fourth wall for american audiences without having to actually break the fourth wall
0: yeah it's for all the idiots and the cheap seats who don't know shit it's like oh you you paid money to see a movie about churchill that was probably a mistake on your part. You you probably don't belong in this theater, but we'll at least try to we'll try our best to get you up to
1: speed. Whoa, we just threw a lot at you right now. We should probably step back and tell you a little bit about the man himself. Um, so I guess I guess he's been I guess he's flip flopped a little bit uh, in the party. Like he's conservative and liberal sometimes. Uh, I do like the the they're going on about how much he drinks. that I, I wouldn't let him buy my bicycle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, also we get some Edgar Wright editing in here every once in a while where it's, like, somebody whipping some eggs, somebody pouring some fluid, somebody doing some dishes. It's like, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, like, I mean, you you, you can get on to the man about his drinking habits, but I'm like, this movie shows him to be a very hardworking man. Like, he was on it all the fucking time. Um, I do like, uh, now, so we get a little moment here, I think, where he's, like, running around delegating and talking um and uh i do like these moments where he's like on the crapper you know <laughs> just talking to people outside
0: or he's about to hop out of the tub he's like miss i'm coming out naked um but you know, the way he phrases it is priceless yeah. so it's like I'm, I'm coming out in nature yeah. i think oh, is I'm the way he
1: says coming out in a state of nature
0: yeah it's state of nature yeah. yes it's <laughs> it's it great because he, he he hasn't got time for that it's like i'm coming out i'm not gonna wait on you Avert your gaze. I will I will be moving through the hallway as we speak. Now,
1: for those of you who are not drinkers, uh alcohol kind of diminishes your short-term memory. So there are some moments in here where he's just like, I left it over here. Like you can see it's kind of going a little bit at this point in his life. But he's he's running into the uh to the room with his robe, and I like how his wife just stops like, We are we are broke. Like we're going flat broke. And he's like, Everybody get out. Um, but I had to write this down. I was last time I was watching it. I, I think above the uh, the fireplace. I don't know if this is him, but I think it's a, a portrait of uh, Samuel Johnson, who was a poet. Uh, I think he was maybe eighteenth century poet uh, possibly. Um, and like a writer in general but if you've seen uh, fear and loathing in Las Vegas you know that opening scene that he who makes a beast out of himself gets rid of the pain of being a man that's from him so i, I I'm like I think that's the portrait of him up, up above the of uh, above the chimney and I thought it was very strange but I could be completely wrong but I, I didn't know if that was maybe maybe had something to do with him I thought it
0: was- full disclosure folks at home Kyle is trying to shoot this thought at me a person who has a portrait of raul julia as <laughs> m bison hanging above his head as we have this conversation okay <laughs> know your audience uh, uh a, a classical education uh i do not believe either of us have received no. but if if that's the case then cool good on you you recognize something
1: well it, it, it's because i don't know i i just noticed that it it we hold on it a little bit so but it could be it could be the portrait of some fucking king the some dude i don't know who it is it doesn't really matter but i just thought it was strange um but they have a nice little moment here but this is where we get the uh he he sees somebody giving a peace sign uh in the newspaper and he's like v ah v for victory uh and he's bugged by uh members of the press as he's coming out like is Britain at war? What the fuck's going to happen? And he just turns around and gives them what he thinks is V for victory, but we'll learn a little bit later that's not what it means.
0: Yeah, it's a famous photo. Um, kind, of a, kind of a fucking pimp look. It's really. yeah. <laughs> a kind of cool photo but <laughs> Did you
1: catch that in With and I?
0: Uh, when he's yelling I, at the the schoolgirls, yeah, they give him that. I did, I did, yes, Shout, shouting out the window, class. Um, after being awake for sixty days of drank of drinking, um, but yeah, uh, he has a nice little exchange with uh, Clemmy here. Uh, they they reminisce about the first, the way he courted her essentially, um, and apparently it was done in a very roundabout fashion. Like they met and then like m- they met and met and met and like he failed to register with her for quite some time this is also where uh she mentions her pet name for him very fittingly enough pig pig and <laughs> we get to see him do a, a loving little <laughs> for, for his wife um the, the warmth of their relationship is really fascinating um but he goes to give his speech and it just so happens that this that this particular speech is going to be delivered on the radio mm-hmm. like on the radio on the airwaves so he has to head to the bunker, um, and the scene is really well put together Mm -hmm. um there's a intensity to it and and just like a I don't know a lack of confidence on his part that we don't get to see too often in this movie but um the visual storytelling really assists the mood here where it's delivered under a a brace of red light because he's in a bunker and you know it's very common to have like an on the air sign be a colored light of some sort so it doesn't seem like far-fetched it seems very true to life um, but he's just caught, he's like stuck in this stuffy booth with this like kind of boner of a dude hovering over yeah. him. Like, do the, you? <laughs> and, no, this guy is such a tool. He's just kind of hovering over him and trying to make sure that he gets the timing right. They go through the Wayne's world. Five, four, three. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't say two they, or one. <laughs> you just don't <laughs> all right, it's gonna go in every episode, <laughs> yeah, it is, um, but yeah he he delivers a speech, and uh you you can tell that he's he's not especially confident with this one, well it- but his delivery's fine, it's just he hesitates in his reading and also his uh his aide uh, or his typist, I guess uh, Lily James is in the room because uh, she's basically it's important to note folks we probably won't draw attention to this every time, but. A lot of this movie is him just, just like crafting speeches on the fly, and her having to catch the words as they come out whenever they come out. Yeah. Uh, so she's she's like a framed as being like a key uh, for helping him to to put his words together as as powerfully as as possible. I but, guess
1: we never see it though. That's the thing. Like we just we know she's there and she puts it together, but we never have a moment with those two actually putting it together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a, a a dare say almost like hackneyed way of telling a story, but it, it's it's a way to insert a character in that you know can can give us a different perspective to view this character through, as opposed to just like a, a basic biopic. But um, the content of the speech, if like, correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, but. Um, is is delivered almost like they're on the offensive. So, he, like they're they're fighting the war already. So he's
1: basically lying to them. This is why. Yes, he, he is. This <laughs> is why he's. This is why everybody uh, reacts uh, has a bad reaction to it. Everybody that you know that's high up is he's telling them that they're advancing, but he's like, there's actually no advance. We're in full retreat. Like there's nothing going on. Um, but after he gives this speech, he goes back upstairs to his wife. And I-, I love it. She's like, you did marvelous. Like, you did such a good job. And he's just like, ugh. There's no advance. Um, and she says, there's, you know, you told them what they needed to know. And you you can tell them the bad news when it's time. Like, there's time enough for the truth. So it's it's a nice moment between the two of them. She understands.
0: Yeah, the way she puts it is, like, you if you had told them the truth, you'd basically be denying all the citizens of your country a good night's sleep. Yeah. Um, and what would, what would change for them? Like the threat isn't on their soil just yet. yeah. So there's time. enough. So she tries her best to reassure him, but you can tell it's weighing on him. But uh, very shortly after that, I believe is where we get the explanation as to yeah. what that particular hand gesture meant. Kyle.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> a normal peace sign, you know, everybody knows a normal peace sign, but I guess if you do it backwards, it means up yours, like up your bum. And, up your and it's on the front page <laughs> of the paper and i guess as a newspaper article it would give you kind of a mixed message like you have the speech and then the prime minister is telling you know uh, a, a journalist up yours it's like well what the hell's going on
0: yeah actually i this is something I, I do not know to be truthful or not about churchill but the way he's framed in this film and again this could be politicking on the part of the filmmakers given that this is a 2017 production and it has lily james in it um the way he's presented in this film it's like he's a man of the people even though he's very clearly not like like if you if you look at his 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 education alone like like he's just throwing classical literature quotes left and right stuff that you know us dumb americans certainly can't relate to but um, and also the fact that he's being driven around town like by a driver, and he has butlers and housemaids and stuff. Uh, he has his own reserved crapper in the bunker. <laughs> like he's most certainly not a man of the people, but like his his sentiments, like it, his general vibe. I I think the idea that they're going with here is that like we should make him relatable to the common man. So like it, the address that he gives to his family after Clemmy gives a speech is like uh, to not buggering it yeah. up um and then the up your bum thing like it, it and we'll we'll get to the most egregious example of this as we get to the the film's final act yeah. um but anyway that was just an observation
1: I'm, but from what i can gather that was a real photo that he took
0: oh it is a real yeah. photo i've seen it but but there's there's a lot of instances of that where it's like he's he's just he's one of those guys you could have a beer with <laughs> no he's never rode the tube <laughs> yes yes he's never rode the tube he has never rode the bus I don't think he went to his grave ever having boiled an egg. Uh, <laughs> Even though he displayed, yeah. you know, some degree of fascination in in the endeavor, I don't think he actually did it.
1: Yeah. Um so yes, uh oh, wh- let's see here. My my uh it goes to twenty fifth of May, but I didn't take a good note here, it just says fucked. Halifax <laughs> peace talks. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh we're we're back in the bunker and there we shall remain for much of the remainder of the film. Uh this is kind of the point where I, I started to find myself getting a little fatigued mm-hmm. by the mostly the filmmaking. Like the performance. Gary Oldman is fantastic in this and uh oh, yeah, never the fellow that plays Halifax. Yeah, our our cast, our actors are all great. <laughs> Like like I said, the fellow that plays Halifax, I thought he was tremendous in this film. Mm-hmm. Like he has some head to head moments with Gary Oldman, and he holds his own. And then some. St- uh, he plays his
1: character in Game of Thrones. He's not a bad guy, but he's not a good guy. And he has some moments that really get under your skin. He's a good actor. Like I would I would watch more of his stuff. And uh, did I mention this yet that he's probably has one of the best movies that a game of thrones actor has had, uh, aside from Amelia Clark and, in uh, solo. What,
0: what movie would that be? Uh,
1: solo. I think that is the only other movie because, uh, Amelia Clark who play, who plays Daenerys, uh, is in solo. This, this is the only other game of thrones actor who's been in something worth watching <laughs> that I've seen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people were betting oh, on, uh, Sophie Turner and Kit Harington to work out. But as far as I know, I, I think Sophie Turner, uh, she like cast her lot with a, um, Quibby. Oh, yeah. Like like I know a lot of people were expecting big things from her, but Quibby was not the right choice. I'm actually, dead
1: <laughs> wrong, Trevor. Uh, the was best a... movie a Game of Thrones actor is in is in John Wick. Uh, the guy who uh, wants the car in John Wick One
0: is a ah, huge role. Uh, in not Game. are you? Uh, don't you mean the Predator, Kyle? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> is he in the Predator? Yes, yeah you, is, yes. you told you told yes. me that i didn't know yes. that but yeah the, no john, john wick most certainly but what about what about aquaman kyle who's an aquaman jason momoa man
1: oh he was barely a game of thrones character he got out yeah he got yeah. out quick
0: yeah i mean i guess he was in the part i saw which folks at home consists of the only the first season Yeah. so yeah but i mean he's certainly worked out like in terms of his uh, his big roles and stuff, oh. uh, not in terms of prestige roles, but in terms of money, yeah. I think this is
1: I I think this is the scene I'm thinking of um, where we have a this is a good moment with Halifax where uh, Halifax wants peace talks and he's trying to get it on the record that Winston will say he will not do peace talks and he has like, the way he does it like so I understand you don't want to do peace talks like he even like raises his voice at the end to kind of. He almost hints at it, like, I'm gonna catch you on this. It's enough that Winston's like, what the fuck is this? Like, I put you on here to, you know, to push me and give me different perspectives, but this isn't a different perspective. I need something else from you. Um, and I think it says, Germans will get the French fleet and then build planes to get to the island. Uh, so that's kind of what Halifax says. But I like this moment where he gets everybody out of there except for him and Chamberlain. And he has, like, that sit-down with him. And he has that really like, I like how he's just he lights a cigar and just sits down and just stares at him and just waiting for him to talk. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a nice little move.
0: It, it's a power move, but at the same time, it's also a display of desperation on his part yeah. where it's like his body language suggests that he's the one commanding the room. But part of the reason he's not saying anything is because I don't think he has any ammunition. Mm-mm. Like, I don't think he has much to work with other than passion. Um, and part of what makes this, this fella's, uh, portrayal of halifax so engaging uh, is that he's so cold mm-hmm. he's so the opposite that like it's like what do you do with that like if if you can throw all that fury and lightning at him and he's just gonna yeah he's just gonna pout he's just gonna pout with his his chin pointed at his crotch
1: confident and unwavering is yeah halifax he's just not he's not budging
0: yeah, no, he, he's, a, he's a complete brick wall. It's like, what the fuck do I do with you? Like, I'd so desperately just want to slap yeah. you, but that's just not how things are done in this situation. <sighs> played, God damn it. He plays that character <laughs> so well.
1: So, yeah, he's not ready. He's like, he, he doesn't say the possibility of peace talks. He's just like, peace talks, huh? Like, well, let me think about it. Um, and then we have a phone call with FDR, which I get a chuckle out of every time.
0: Uh, I, I want to roll go, back. Just one go back. Second. Sorry. Go there, back. There's like there's just a couple of details of of this scene that are really fascinating to me. It, it really ratchets up the tension level because at the end of the day, what we have are a bunch of men in suits talking in a dusty bunker. Yeah, that's what it like, is. Like in in, in terms of in, in terms of cinema, this is not ex- especially thrilling stuff. Yeah. This is this is not a shootout in a nightclub like a John Wick or something, but this is the equivalent of fireworks that you get uh, in a movie like this. Uh, verbal fireworks. Uh, but what ratchets up the tension is that we keep cutting back to, like, a page uh, that presumably works for Halifax in the back corner of the room, like, taking the minutes of, like, jotting. He's basically a stenographer. He's writing down well, everything that's being said in the room. I don't think he works for
1: Halifax. And he just, he is keeping the minutes. Like, he is re- he's yes. keeping the record.
0: Yes, and it's important to note that we, we cut back to him As her Churchill is kind of being maneuvered into saying exactly what Kyle was was getting at. It's like if he if he says those words, they are recorded in paper and they can be used against him. Uh, He doesn't step on the line, the landmine, though. And part of what's fun about the suspensive is that he's never explicitly informed that this is a potential outcome. No, like he knows that there are there are potential consequences for him being bullheaded. But he doesn't know that he's this fucking close to getting kicked out of the prime minister's office, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, he manages to avoid stepping on the landmine, um, <clears throat> and also the the situation. Uh, we didn't really talk about the detail of this, but this is essentially the beginning of the Dunkirk, Dunkirk evacuation. Yes, uh, there there's still fighting going on uh, surrounding Dunkirk, but basically, uh, the British army was sent to to France to do battle with the Germans. Uh, it's not going well and they're all being corralled they're all basically retreating uh, to this grand beach at dunkirk Um, and we have a map in the back of the room kind of explaining visually what the situation looks like and it's it's total trash this is a trash fire situation (laughs) from a strategic standpoint Uh, and it's also important to note that uh churchill's uh, demand at this point in time is that they have a garrison at a i don't know geographically where this would be but calais uh, it's where they have a garrison of four thousand men uh and he's vehement he's vehemently like pounding his fist on the table being like we got to send those people to their doom uh to support the evacuation of the majority of our forces that are you know massing at Dunkirk." Um, and all the generals in the room are like that's kind of fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, for those 4,000 people, that is a shit sandwich.
1: I think it's where he says that I take full responsibility. He's like, oh, do you? He's
0: like, yes, motherfucker. And slams the chair. I, it's I... Yeah, he's like, I, otherwise, why would I be occupying this chair? Yeah. It's a good moment. I'll give him that. It is a good moment because this is him willfully making a, a really decision. ugly decision. Yeah. yeah, no, like, everybody in the room, the, the military people especially, are just like, that is shitty. Yeah. <laughs> like, but he's like he's you know the shit's chess not checkers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: you gotta break a few eggs to get an omelet
0: <laughs> the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few yeah <laughs> uh but yeah uh Ch- churchill and roosevelt kyle uh oh. where we, we, is is this where the toilet is as well i think I so yes tell if, what it's yeah, i think it's the can toilet yeah
1: he says uh the guy says uh, it's like lavatory he's like for the prime minister only and it says wc on it <laughs> For water closet, but it could also mean Winston Churchill.
0: Uh, It's the executive washroom. Yes. Um,
1: You know what would have made this better is if uh, John F. Kennedy was president because I would have loved that mid-Atlantic accent on the other side. Well, I... uh... (laughs) Uh, <laughs>
0: well, uh, I, I gotta go back
1: and watch Thirteen Days. I gotta go back and watch it. um
0: uh, With Bruce Greenwood, the man who is born to play politicians. He,
1: dude, his his a- accent in that movie. Oh, him and Kevin Costner. It's just great. <laughs> that movie is so boring. But if you just find <laughs> find clips of them talking in that
0: movie, oh, it's great. Just. It's a good way to go to sleep. I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah. Um
1: So yes, the phone call with FDR on the other line. Uh, so at this point, the United States is still they signed the Neutrality Act, which means they are not going to enter
0: into. Um, uh, yeah. Remember, this is 1940. Folks. Yes. Uh, the United States had not entered into this particular war just yet. Yeah. We're still just chilling, and uh, well,
1: this is this is a this is a good scene because we're he's on the phone with him. He's like, hey, can we get those planes that we purchased from him. he's like well i can't really do it my hands are tied well we bought them with the money we borrowed from you <laughs> which i thought was <laughs> which i thought was kind of funny <laughs> um, but yes uh he's like well i just can't do it and he's like is there anything you can do he's like i'm sorry no he's like well what you could do is we could take them to the canadian border and you could pull them across the border And just he just, like, the reality of the situation sets in. He's just like, we we have nobody. Like, we have nothing. Um, I mean, but it's still something. And he says, will that work for you? He's like, anything you can do at this point will help. So I'm assuming that actually happened. I kind of want the side thing of that, uh, if that actually happened
0: yeah give us some time kyle i'm sure I'm sure some documentarian somewhere will be like not busy with one year of their life and'll be like, ah, eh, let's do a story about uh the horses carrying the planes uh, across the board Have you heard about I'm sure that'll be thrilling for an hour. Have
1: you heard about that famous uh, fault, uh it was like uh misinformation uh plan that they had that they were gonna have a fake spy it's it's really famous it's got a famous name uh they were gonna have a fake spy with fake documents. Uh, who was dead and the German soul the German army were supposed to discover this and they were supposed to take it back to head like take it back to Hitler basically and it was supposed to screw everybody. operation maybe it's operation mincemeat I think that might be what it's called um, uh, news to me but it sounds interesting I like I'd like, an, I'd like a movie about that
0: uh, I think the closest we're gonna get is Valkyrie um, yeah that's a it's an all right movie. Uh, it's 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 not amazing, but was was that like a Bryan Singer movie or it's something? It's actually
1: uh, there is a movie. It's a 2020 film. Um, oh shit! Yeah, no. Timely. Operation Mincemeat was a successful British deception operation of the Second World War to guise the 1943 Allied invasion of Sicily.
0: Oh okay. Yeah. I'll have to I'll have to remember that. Yeah. But um, it's important to note here that uh, what's his face uh, David Strathairn uh, plays fdr in this film voice only oh, really? Um, you yeah you you know him as a uh, good night and good luck uh, he plays the lead in that and uh he was also in the born ultimatum and godzilla 2014 as the uh the naval commander I think. yes
1: the naval commander i remember from that i know <laughs> yeah i've seen uh, he, other things
0: He's a he's a tremendous actor. I uh, I really like him every time I see him um unfortunately it's not all the time, but he's he's got range, man. But he also has a one, wonderful speaking voice and uh he does a really solid FDR impression. Here. He was in Lincoln. Uh not Uh yes, I believe he was. Um but yeah, he he does a a fantastic job as FDR here. He has that particular um cadence mm-hmm. it's a lot not of not a, not a uh, yeah. Uh, yeah a lot of uh whoa, <laughs> well yeah um, better than uh, uh <laughs> john
1: voight and pearl i think it's pearl harbor he plays fdr Ooh. Dude. oh
0: dude dude does he play fdr in that um i i about barfed when Ooh. he stood up in that Ooh. movie yeah like that that's that's kind of insulting yeah man. no
1: that that was a it's like that was a slap I, and piss in the face yeah
0: I mean that's that's what happens when you let Michael Bay do a historical ro- love love triangle war film. John Voight, motherfuck. Jeez. <laughs> no, I mean FDR rising from his wheelchair to make a point. He, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did
1: he see Anaconda? Like you're like no no no. This, <laughs> this is my FDR. Yeah.
0: This yeah, guy. No, well I, I think the two of them are buddy buddy cuz John Voight went on to be in Transformers as well. Oh. John Voight's great in *Enemy so.
1: of the State*. If you guys haven't seen it in a while, John but-
0: Voight can be great. Uh, I don't. I can't speak for the man as a, as a man, uh, but as an actor, he, when he tries, it's generally pretty good. Actually, when
1: that when that general is in the room and he is pissed off, and you can just see like John Voight just shifting in his seat the whole time. It's like, dude, you're gonna give yourself away. Stop
0: moving. Yeah, no, I, I loved him in Mission Impossible. Oh, uh, fuck, I kar- that. Kar- Karate Dog, on the other hand, uh, will probably go down <laughs> in history as one. That and uh, the Bratz movie. Uh, I know he was in the Bratz film as well. Both of those films, he wears really ugly makeup. I think he's in
1: one uh, of the, the the Baby Genius movies.
0: Yeah, they found a way to put him in Tomb Raider just as a wink to the audience. Mm. It's like, yeah, we know they're related. Uh, <laughs> it's like, they're not on good terms, but they are related. <laughs>
1: I do like this uh, next thing we get uh, Admiral Ramsey. Uh, like, wait, we have to call Admiral Ramsey. We've got to do something about this Dunkirk situation. And I like, was like, I didn't wake you, did you? I like, I didn't wake you, did I? He's was like, no, I was just reading the Bible. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: That's a that is quite a That's lie. That's pretty funny.
1: Um, I don't want to answer um, the phone like that. that way you, no, I was just
0: reading the Bible. Uh. <laughs> no, but uh, the the sequence leading up to this phone call is where we get that shot of uh, Churchill in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's him in the in the <laughs> in the executive washroom, uh, slamming the phone down, and the way it's framed, it's just like a box with the with a man yeah. in it, and then two thirds of the screen is just blackness. But um yeah uh churchill is struck with inspiration uh, he calls this fella Ramsey, and uh they he basically plants the seeds for what will become the dunkirk evacuation yeah. um but for now uh we're kind of stuck in this damn bunker trying to hammer out the details of that but uh in the meantime i believe he does have another uh, meeting with the king has yeah, lunch with the king uh, he goes to the- yeah, uh, it's something that was talked about, but they finally follow through with it here.
1: Also, the, him and Ben Mendelsohn, I think, are my favorite scenes in the movie. Just the two of them going back and forth, because um, it it does feel like two people getting to know each other, like while having to deal with each other. Um, full like full spread. I'm sure this is a lovely lunch. Uh, one of my favorite things in movies is smoking while eating. Uh, I've never done it. I've seen people do it. I don't understand it, but it happens. Um, but they are both smoking while eating, and of course, Winston is drinking his champagne. Uh, and they kind of get to know each other a little bit. We learn that um, uh, Winston's mother was uh, very glamorous, uh, but maybe too well-loved, which the king has a little chuckle at. And his father was like God and busy as well, so you kind of get a, get a glimpse in there. Um, but... He makes a, a crack at Halifax, and the king just kind of scolds him a little bit. Like, hey, he's a good friend of mine. You can watch it. Um, I do like him finishing this champagne and just like scooting it over to the guy <laughs> pouring the champagne. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, almost snapped his fingers at him. Um, but it's nice. They're 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 building their relationship, uh, and it's it's a nice little moment.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's a nice conversation, and I think this is where the king also lets on that uh, Churchill makes him uneasy. Mm-hmm. like he, he borderline, like, frightens him, um, and they come across as... The king, in particular, comes across as very standoffish. He's unwilling to put his faith and trust in Churchill at this mm-hmm. point. Um, and just the visual storytelling here, I mean, I know they're real people, but um, it's really neat seeing these two characters on screen together, because just from a visual standpoint... They're so opposite, yeah. like Churchill has shit posture, he's overweight, he's got bad hairline, uh, Is st- the way he eats and stuff, he can tell he enjoys himself, whereas the king, it's like, I can't tell if he's ever enjoyed himself yeah. at any point, in any endeavor, um, and also there's a corgi, so yeah. I was distracted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he feeds the corgi
1: from the table, yeah.
0: Yes, and again, I'm sure that's something the king would be like, huh, most unorthodox. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think this is where
1: uh, he also got the royal rap on the knuckles earlier uh, for his speech from the king. Yes,
0: uh, yes. Uh, yeah, we we didn't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, he did deliver the speech on the radio, and it was all bullshit, and that's where we, got, we kind of do this really neat transition, a really cool visual storytelling here where we have a blasted landscape that we're, I think it's either a miniature or CGI rendered, but it's a camera looking down. It mirrors the angle uh, from which we saw uh, (laughs) Winston enjoy his sky whiskey while flying over France. And it's like a blasted landscape that's being bombarded. And uh, during that speech about how they were, you know, kicking ass over in France, Uh, we Brits are winning the day. Not really, but uh, I'm gonna tell you as much on the radio. Um, and then the landscape actually transitions very seamlessly into the dirty cheek of that dead kid mm-hmm. that we saw look at, up at him before. And uh, as we mentioned before, everything he said in that speech was a fucking bold, bold-faced lie. Yeah. Uh, so people are not particularly happy with him at this moment. And Halifax is just dogging him yeah. about entering into negotiations with the Nazis, um, with the with Italy serving as mediators um, and this is where we get that uh, we head back into the bunker for further discussions about the Dunkirk situation and I believe this is where we get the trailer line of uh, how, why are you interrupting me while I'm interrupting yeah. you so it's pretty yeah. great
1: <laughs> so the Minister of War joins the next cab- this cabinet meeting and this is where Chamberlain gets the push away so you can you can already tell that Halifax is like oh the Minister of War like I'm gonna try to bring this up again um, yeah this is the stop interrupting while I'm interrupting you and Halifax kind of gets onto him, is like, you have this romantic fantasy of fighting to the end, and the end is already here. Um, and this is where you get the, the good delivery of, you cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. It, it might be his best delivered line of the film, honestly.
0: Yeah, this, this whole exchange, because it, it goes from being a boardroom meeting, essentially, um, where the way it's framed like yes there are other people in the room but the only angles we have are just these two men's head center frame Mm -hmm. um and you're you're in it with them and it's very intense even halifax has kind of got his blood boiling just a little bit um but this is where the their difference in perspective is is made crystal clear where from halifax's standpoint you can see where he's coming from he's like like everything you've been saying on the radio everything you've been championing has to do with riding into glorious battle like a fucking viking or something it's like where's the glory in total annihilation (laughs) like like everything that we've seen up to this point uh spells certain doom for us in a head-on confrontation not to mention our entire armed forces are on a fucking beach in a different country surrounded right now so the idea of of continuing to push back and continuing to try to rally for aggression it just just seems asinine from his standpoint, mm-hmm. uh but from churchill's standpoint like he he has his reasons for thinking the way he does, but uh the line that Kyle had pinpointed about you can't reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth um he explodes out of the room after mm-hmm. like he's had it like he, like it goes from a strategy session like between between like peers essentially to just like a personal conflict where he actually has to step out into the hall, and the two of them continue yeah. to go at it. Yeah. And it gets ugly.
1: It, it it's a little more. It's a little bit better in the hallway. Like they're away from everybody else, and they at this moment they're really like. It feels like they're really trying to reason with each other. Um, and he brings up Winston's military service, and it kind of strike. You can kind of tell it kind of strikes a chord with them. It's just he gets a. He starts to go off a little bit and uh
0: oh this this is where even from a physical standpoint we actually see churchill like shrink mm -hmm, a little bit yeah because halifax he plays a little bit of dirty pool here this is where he does bring up gallipoli where he does bring up the fact that hey you were involved in that very that blunder essentially that cost the lives of many people of our countrymen not that long ago um and now we're in a similar situation where you're involved in the decision making and history is meant to be learned from. So Halifax actually, like, it was a little bit of a low blow, but it was kind of warranted, honestly.
1: Yeah, and he threatens to resign. And uh, he's like, please don't resign. And I love where he's just, you have 24 hours, I will be forced to resign. But the way he just kind of, <laughs> he just kind of <laughs> stares at him. Because Halifax has, uh, I think it's this actor, but Halifax has this, like, he he's only, yeah, it's sinister. Like, he stares down. Like, he, it's like a predator. Or, it's like, um... Gomer, it's like a private pile in. uh, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio in uh, Saving, in not Saving Private Ryan, Jesus, uh, Full Metal Jacket, where he's got like (laughs) that crazy (laughs) look on his eyes, like that.
0: (sighs) At the end, he's gonna. Yeah, yeah. he he makes me think of like Lurch or something from the Adams family you right <laughs> yeah and he's also a bit taller
1: than him in this movie
0: yeah he's quite a bit taller yeah. than than gary oldman who i still get a chuckle out of air force one where i'm i'm almost positive his press pass in that movie said six feet mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> uh, <laughs> no oh, no not no i forget I'm sorry. About air force
1: one my goodness
0: yeah he he was in air force
1: One. my favorite line in that yeah. movie is bah! <laughs> this one this one yell that's just Oh, it's so great. Uh
0: my favorite is uh when Harrison Ford uh President Jones, President Indiana Jones has to get into a fist fight with the Wishmaster. Oh yeah. I <laughs> um, actually made a uh, a Magic the Gathering card out of a still I I took from that, that lady. Was... It's it's of Harrison Ford punching the Wishmaster. Yeah. I like <laughs> the choke. I'll show he gets a good
1: choke he gets a good choke hold on him oh yeah. yeah guy looks good choking <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I, I wonder what happened to wolfgang peterson I don't uh, know. as a director i don't know because he, man he had some big ones and then what his career went completely. somebody somebody put the kibosh on i think him? Doss boot he just he peaked too early like Doss
1: boot is just a masterpiece
0: i mean even Neverending story is that's a contribution to film that was it's him? not on the level yes wow i did not know that and maybe the perfect storm didn't do so Ooh, odd. I thought it did That's well.
1: also that's actually surprisingly that's a bit of a drinker movie a drinking movie for me that, I could see yeah. that Um yeah, yeah. Hmm, interesting cuz I could I could talk about that movie cuz that's a We
0: we, sh- we we should look him up after we're yeah. done Kyle because I'm curious cuz he had some big fucking movies and then just I don't know I, he may have been very old though Yeah. for all I know That's true
1: um so yes so now we got th- we are still dealing with the dunkirk issue i think we get a little bit of like him like kind of just up late kind of moping through the halls or something i think this is where he's just like up all night and they just draw back the curtains and he's just been awake the entire evening and he he calls back gordon uh gordon ramsey admiral ramsey <laughs> <laughs> a- donkey admiral you just hear a voice yeah. on the
0: other end of the phone calling him a you donkey. try to yell at him yeah <laughs>
1: uh, uh yeah so he so when the the plan was for him to get as many civilian ships as possible and that was what he told admiral ramsey to do so he gets him on the phone and apparently he didn't, he's like well you know prime minister it, it was hard to do i can't just do that and he's like it wasn't a fucking. it wasn't a request it was an order and he just fucking slams the phone he's pretty pissed at this point
0: um, yeah. And around this time, I think, is when we <laughs> we have to pause the movie yet again. Uh, well, I, not yet again, but again, uh, to to spell things out to the people in the cheap seats in case they weren't able to follow. Um, because we have our, our audience proxy character, Lily James, uh, kind of like break down in tears at uh, some point. Because she's like, it's it's even worse to, to be lied to, to not know what's going on. And uh, because he's... You know probably equally frustrated to some degree he's like hey lady that represents the british public i'm gonna take you into this classified area <laughs> to show you the war room uh and then spell out all the things that have already been talked about in the movie up till now <laughs> so he reiterates the the dunkirk situation something that's been explained to us the audience at least twice by now uh, but we get it a third time in the form of him like spelling it out uh, to her. Uh, and then we get this really kind of strange moment where uh, I get what I get why it's here. It's because we're building to an emotional payoff like 20 minutes from now. Uh, but after she's informed of, of the dire situation, we actually jump like geographically. We jump to, to like, a, I think it's a chapel neighboring Dunkirk. Yeah. Um, and we get to see a bunch of British soldiers get bombed to, to all hell um and then we cut back to her so basically we're planting the seeds for an emotional payoff involving her having a brother who was presumably killed in in that bombing
1: yeah i think it's also just to illustrate how stressful the situation is because while everybody's just talking uh like all, all the administration is talking it's like people are dying out there like we're trying to get this resolved
0: it's important to have that uh I don't know if this is the best way to go about no. it. It's a little bit melodramatic, but um yeah, I I I know what you're talking about where it's like we have this this dire situation that if you didn't if you didn't show any of it, it could come across as like hollow yeah. in terms of its impact. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't actually be able to put together in your head exactly how serious the situation is. Fortunately, there's plenty of other movies about this particular event that will show you what happened. I was thinking of that
1: movie Dunkirk and that kid from the killing of a sacred deer, how he's on one of the civilian boats and like, he gets like, he gets hit in the head or some shit like that. It's like, what the fuck did that have to do with anything? Like I didn't need that. Put something like this in here where you've got some young recruit who's shaky behind the gun, like just scared shitless that gets killed. Like give me some kind of, give me something.
0: Well, well on the subject of Dunkirk, let's just pause for a second and actually just talk about that because this is where we're at in the movie, where pretty much all roads lead to talking about it yeah. to some extent. So, <clears throat> I was telling Kyle before we recorded that um just so happens that there were at least 3 films about these events that came out in in the UK like within a year of each other. Uh 2016 to 2017 was a really big year for Dunkirk. Yeah. Um, not not just the movie of the same name, but just just the historic event as a whole. So we have this film about Winston Churchill's perspective, about the governmental perspective on things. We have Dunkirk, you know, the Christopher Nolan film about the actual evacuation from from the perspective of the people actually being pulled out of the situation. Uh, but then there's also a movie that a friend of mine uh, had had me watch. Uh, I think he just liked it or something. He he was really adamant about me watching it. Never would have been on my radar otherwise. Uh, it's called Their Finest, um, and it <laughs> Bill Nighy is in there. That's oh, actually a selling point oh. for me. <laughs> oh, oh, Bill, Bill Nighy. Bill Nighy. Um, and uh, Gemma Arterton. But uh, it's a fun little movie about making movies, which I I don't I can't speak for Kyle, but for me, that's kind of a favorite genre of mine. Uh, but it's a it's a movie about it's like post Dunkirk evacuation but it's a movie it's a propaganda film it's about the making of a propaganda film uh, about the actual event oh interesting as, so all three of these films have totally different perspectives on the same event and i was telling Kyle that like as a whole like it's it forms like a very interesting triad for getting like a more holistic view of of how things went down like it's not i wouldn't claim any of this shit is accurate um but the difference in perspectives having seen all three of these movies uh, is, is actually kind of a fun little exercise. Uh, withnell is in it. Richard E. Grant. See, I hadn't oh. seen withnell and I, or or the latest Star Wars, uh, by the time this movie had come out. By the time I'd seen this movie, uh, so he didn't register with me as strongly. But I guess Kyle has a selling yep, point now. You got well, you had me, with, you had me
1: with Bill Nye, but now you've definitely got me with Richard E. Grant
0: yeah it's it's a it's a little cute at times like a little too cute for its own good but it is it's a nice little period piece plus it's it's about the making of a 1940s film interesting uh, so so it has the novelty factor of that but I think it's just fascinating though that apparently there was something in the air uh, over in the uk in in the late 2010s where everybody was thinking about this particular moment in British history and actually I have like a little bit of a theory. Um, and a lot of it speaks to uh, Churchill's perspective um, in, in this film like in this moment in time um, and that has to do with the, the, the national identity of the UK uh, because like, I thought about it while I was watching the movie I was like huh let, let's think about like, wh- what their place was in history so for a huge chunk of modern history British fucking empire mm-hmm. like they, they ruled a huge chunk of the world like they dominated kicked all the asses and then we head into like you know industrial revolution we have world war one where yes they got shit done but they were also kind of imperiled much like the rest of europe and so you have this massive shift in the in the identity of the nation Mm -hmm. where it's like we go from being this grand empire where everything we say goes even to people on the other side of the planet to all of a sudden in the 20th century oh shit like we just got gut checked really bad mm-hmm. like really bad so it it puts them in this different position that generations upon generations of of british people probably had never had to contend with before where it's like oh shit we're not masters of the universe we're we're just like we're on the chopping block just like anyone else in the face of the nazi threat and stuff mm-hmm. um so this was like a particularly sensitive time and i'm sure that I'm sure those perspectives like in the halls of par- parliament were very difficult to grapple with. I, yeah. We have all these old, all these old men who come from that background of being like, oh yeah, we're masters of the universe. Nothing can hurt us. And then it's like, oh fuck, like we're, we're seriously in danger right now. Um, and it must've been the most difficult of pills to swallow for a lot of these people. I can so, see that. So like, even like Halifax being able to adopt that idea of potentially surrendering like entering into negotiations that could that could potentially go very very badly for the british public Uh, yeah Um, yeah yeah absolutely um that you know that that showed a interesting perspective on his part where churchill in this instance i guess would represent more the traditional at that point in time like like british outlook on things where it's like fuck no like like we would never surrender because guess what we've never had to like other than like what the norman conquest of the british isles and that was if a long time ago if they
1: had given up uh hitler would have outlawed sausage because he was a vegetarian (laughs) and tea time would have been schnapps time yeah
0: but yeah i I just thought that was fascinating that it's like this particular moment in time uh, in terms of like rallying the public I, could, I can see why this particular moment in time would serve as, like, fertile ground for being, like, yay Britain. Yeah. Now more than um, ever, it, we need to, yeah, we need to rise up. Well, and also, like, like f- coming from an American standpoint, we've never been invaded. Um, and so this must be a huge moment of, knock on wood. <laughs> 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 so uh, if you think about it in those terms, it's like, you know, similar situation, you know, technologically advanced, dominated much of the world. But to have in your modern history, in, in the modern history of your country, to have an episode where you were under attack, um, it transforms the national identity from that of like the empire, the dominating force, to that of the great resistors. Mm-hmm. So their, their perseverance becomes their point of pride as opposed to their, their strength and their dominance. And to have that in your modern history, I'm sure colored future generations to the point that this moment in time is probably regarded as like a grand yeah. moment in British history, in modern British history where it's like, that was the time where shit got real and we resisted. Well, like we, it was our tenacity that saw us through not our advanced technology or our, our money or our strength.
1: Yeah. I mean, and if if the, if the events of this movie are, are accurate, it was, it was an, it was an impressive feat, especially the Dunkirk, uh, the Dunkirk, Kirk ordeal.
0: How do you uh, put, evacuation? I think it's generally thought of as the evacuation because that's what it was, but also it's operation dynamo is what it's officially titled to believe, but also it's uh, referred to as a miracle uh, at times. Um, I don't know how true that that would be. Um, I want to say that truthfully, maybe a good, a good chunk of its success had to do with the Germans maybe being a little, gun shy at that like Mm -hmm. something tells me like uh, other moves could have been made where a little bit of luck entered into the factor as well
1: Um, but yes so uh, we roll into uh, May 27th 1940 and we summon the war cabinet at 3pm and this is where I think they give uh, they give Winston the the real of all the bad stuff that's happening get him like this is what's actually happening he's just not even paying attention it's just all hitting him at once it's like this is this is not good um
0: it's framed really well mm-hmm. where the camera's just tracking around him and he's not even looking at the screen no.
1: and it takes him a minute to to start talking and i i kind of got a kick out of this it's like they're like okay Winston we definitely have to broker peace talks we can broker broker uh peace talks through Mussolini uh with Hitler and um like terms must be struck and i like how he's just like well we'll we'll you know broker uh you know peace terms, uh, when they can fucking get here, and they're like, god damn it! in <laughs> 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 and um... Psych! Yeah, like, uh, Halifax and Chamberlain are like, god damn it, would you just fucking listen? And it, it takes them a minute to really, for it to set in, like, you, you need to at least consider, like, having the talk.
0: We we need to broker peace talks yeah. between Britain and Germany. Yeah. So, yeah. and this is—I'm
1: just gonna skip through this. Uh, an hour 19 and an hour 30. It's just moping, not sureness uh, for a while. I think he does. <laughs> he does have a moment where Crystal Scott or where Clemmy comes in, and he's just like, it's like four in the morning. She's like, it's like five o'clock in the morning. You need to go to bed. and He's just like, leave me. And she's just like, she like they have this moment where it's just like. Oh, he's he's being he does need to be alone right now. She just kind of Okay. Well, I'll I'll back away. Um, but yes, uh, and then he he has this meeting with the king and this this is a, a really strange scene uh, but we're just in a it's just the the screen is black and we see Clemmy just open up a door and flip on a light in this room that has it, it's just a little storage room with no windows, just nothing. And Winston is just sitting on a bed in the dark, just almost catatonic, like just completely out of it.
0: Oh yeah, his his hair is all mussed up. He's he's not laying in bed. He's just sitting on the bed, looking staring out into space. And yes, this looks like a storeroom, yeah. not not a room that is often visited in whatever building they're in. And
1: but do you, do you think he's reacting like this is because I mean he was the one who who was like he knew he knew about Hitler, like he knew what Hitler was going to bring. Does he just know of like, if we have to broker a peace deal, it's like that is the end of what we know as civilization, like what we know as a country, like it's done.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's what's going through his head is that every force surrounding him is kind of forcing him to, to pull the trigger on mediating, on striking some sort of deal. And there's no way that, that there's going to be a good deal. Yeah. I, I there's absolutely no way that's gonna work out for them yeah and yeah he he feels doomed in this moment, but leading up to this conversation is also where we get the payoff to Lily James' character um and her her brother being killed uh, he off? actually has a fun air quotes okay kind of, air quotes for the folks at home that couldn't see it air air quotes okay. uh, she she's she's here she doesn't do much yeah. but okay it, it, But, yeah, uh, he has a little one-on-one with her where uh, she's trying to take down his notes as he's he's speaking. But he's just Um, mumbling too much, yeah. He's just completely mumbling, so she can't get anything out of it. I think they get one sentence put together cleanly, but he has this breakdown when he's looking at the newspaper, and it has Hitler's photo on it. And he's just, like, spitting out, not even insults, just, like, words and he refers to him as a house painter <laughs> like, but 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 the way he delivers that line it's venomous it's like ooh, <laughs> like, it's, it's like he's talking shit about my mom but yeah he calls him a house painter but yeah we learned that her brother was killed and i guess this is meant to be like a oh no there are dire human consequences for my my actions or inactions so shit has to happen quickly otherwise more people's brothers will die yeah. Bye bye Lily James but <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs> bye bye the movie bye, uh no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um yes uh the king is brought into the storeroom uh that looks like something out of one of the Resident Evil mansions um uh, I like, minus any zombies I like how
1: it's done it's like uh you have a uh, you have a visitor uh like who the king who's king
0: our king our king <laughs> <laughs> Well, I like too that like his face like involuntarily twitches yeah. at the mention of the king. Like he's like, oh, please don't bring him in just yet. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty great. He's bl- he's a blubbery mess. And he's quite pale as well. He has probably not slept well. Well, but he's probably still yeah. been hitting the bottle. Yeah, <laughs> I would
1: assume so. Uh, we, I forgot to mention there is a moment where the king is talking to I guess one of his advisors or one of his men. He's just like, well, you could uh, you could exile to. <laughs> Exile to uh, Canada and rule from there, yeah. and he's just like fuck. Like,
0: what? About, like, is, yeah. Is is that to be the the end of our great legacy? Is to to have a de- like deposed king in exile living in Canada, Canada? <laughs> <laughs> and Delaware? <laughs> being Canada. Uh- yeah, <laughs> but I love the blocking of this scene because the king walks in and awkward as he is. Uh, He comes in, and he's invited to sit, and there's just like a chair in the center of the room, very far from the bed. It has
1: to be covered in dust, but yes.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. This room is not well kept. Um, But he sits down, and it's like facing totally the up, like completely different direction, like parallel to to Winston. So he's not looking at him, but he sits down anyway because, you know, if you're offered a chair, you sit. And he's like, well, that's weird. I'm going to get up. (laughs) So he starts moving around. Um, but this is this is a really wonderful scene because this is where they finally kind of like... They're buddies. Get yeah. each other. Yeah, they, they finally come to understand each other just enough that they can kind of work through things. And so basically we're doing a play-by-play of what's been going on militarily and the king is pacing about. He's agitated. He's certainly not happy. Um, but then there's a moment where again ben ben mendelson as an actor is wonderful uh he's so stiffly just like s- he like steps up to him and then he he does like a quick about face and he like sits next to him mm-hmm. and just from a body language standpoint you can tell that it's like oh he he like he appreciates him yeah. now like like it's still awkward he's so fucking stiff but just the gesture of sitting near him like side by side, it's like, oh wow, this this is where they're coming together, and what they come together on is their their view of the idea of like ceding power to to an external threat. So, I mean, you need to remember this guy's a king, yeah. Like like he by definition he's a ruler. Yeah. The idea of being the king that fucking dropped the ball yeah. and got conquered that would not sit well with with any member of royalty. Yeah. That that's like a complete betrayal of. Of you and your family legacy, so yeah. even if even if it's irrational, just the idea of kowtowing to an, to opposition probably would not sit well with him. So the math adds up, and the two of them have this little like, <laughs> like they kind of like conspire together. It's really cute.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you get the full support from the king. So he's got you know, fresh blood; he's ready to go, and uh, he's headed to Parliament, and we're we're about to uh, we're about to make the next moves here. But first, um, he is looking at the people on the streets and we see some Hitler, some kids wearing some Hitler masks, uh, which is, who the fuck were selling those? Um, I don't hope they weren't selling those. <laughs> <laughs> Very poor taste. Um, but yeah, he just pops up, he just bolts out of the car and heads down to the underground, um, which I'm not going to spend much time on this scene. Uh, it's, it's fun. Uh, all the people, like... It would be a lot to process since he's never been down there. People are like, is that fucking him? That can't be him. All the people on there. But basically, uh, he wants to hear from the people uh, what they think about Hitler. And you guessed it, they don't like him.
0: Yeah, it, big surprise, guys. Shocker. <laughs> I, I, looked, I, I did a little bit of sleuthing to see what the critical reaction was to this moment in the film in particular. Uh, and it sounds like people weren't particularly pleased with it. Oh, it comes across as a little too cute for its own good. Yeah,
1: it, it does not fit here. Just pull that right out.
0: Uh, to, to quote Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, I, I know what you're trying to do. Yeah. End of thought. <laughs> um, it, It's a little manipulative. It's a little saccharine, to be honest. Like, these don't feel like real people. Actually... Fittingly enough, oh sir! Also, yeah, no, it feels like all, yeah, you expect a little kid with a fucking crutch yeah. and a busted leg. Where's the kid with the hat <laughs> selling
1: newspapers? You're waiting for him to pop up. Oh, I think he's a bad chap, sir.
0: Yeah, cheeks, bony Bob, Cliff, Cliff. Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Gimpymo. Uh, yeah, it fittingly enough, the scene that comes to mind that also takes place on a train is, of course, Spider-Man Two. Wherein Joey Diaz and the citizens of New York have to rally to defend Spider-Man, a.k.a. Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, also, similarly, the other Spider-Man movie. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us! <sighs> it's it's cheesy, it's patriotic, it's, it's a little dumb. Um, in the case of this film, though, it's like the rest of the movie was a little bit more dignified than this, so it... It just sticks out like a sore thumb. Fortunately, Gary Oldman is a, a wonderful actor, and he's very charismatic. Um, he sells the hell out of the scene, but basically all it is is him pacing up and down a train car, uh, getting to know the, the the woes of the common man, um, and yeah, it, it feels like totally out of a different movie. This feels like it's out of a Christmas special it does, or something. Yes, it really does. <laughs> um, Um, But yeah, like like I said, there were instances of this like sprinkled throughout the film, but this is like the most blatant, bold faced example of it, and it's fairly long too. Yeah, Um, and it also occurs at like a fairly critical moment in the film. It's like, dude, we got shit on, we got people on the beaches, man. We got to figure that shit out now. The war
1: cabinet has been assembled. Like they are in the room waiting for him.
0: Yeah, they even cut back to it occasionally to remind you that he is absent from yeah. those from that meeting.
1: Um, so, yeah, he, he gets off the tube. He gets uh, back upstairs uh, to the house, and he's just, like, walking through, and he's just he's like, hey, I'm going to go address my people. If anybody wants to come watch, you can. And this is where he, I think he rallies the troops here. Or does he get his matches first? Which one does he do first?
0: Uh, I think he rallies the troops yeah. first. Yeah, he rallies the troops first, and uh, this is a rousing speech that uh, basically is his opportunity to speak his mind. And he also reinforces his thoughts with that of like citing the thoughts of the common people as well. That it's like, no, we must meet this threat head on. We must resist. We can't. We can't just bow down to this this threat without having faced it properly. Um, but yeah, when he heads down to the the war room, he just kind of succinctly just tells them like. Yeah, we're not gonna do. We're not gonna do do this. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. there should be no negotiated Um, peace. He does. um, I do like the. uh,
1: Do you want to see the swastika flying over Buckingham Palace? This one gets like, no. (laughs) That's the one. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Like the cookie drops out of his mouth when he hears it. Like, oh my god, (laughs) we didn't (laughs) even. We didn't even think about that.
0: Uh, but yeah, he when he's exiting the room, I believe is when he picks up his matchbook. There, I also like that he are. calls the general. He calls the general tiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Good.
1: It's weird that uh, like he seems happy. He seems like the the general is kind of like yes, that's good. We're not doing the peace talks. Like it was it was weird how they shifted because before they were just like they were the most like oh god, this is this is terrible. Like this is awful. Um, I do like this. Uh, Halifax kind of gets his. And Halifax is like, Well, mm-hmm. Chamberlain, here it is. is. Uh, we'll have to resign. And Chamberlain's like, Well, let's go upstairs and see what he has to say. And Halifax is like, Fuck.
0: All right. We must we must both now resign and force a vote of no confidence. Yes. That's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's practice. Pra pra practice. Practice, yes. <laughs> Practice, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. Oh, Kyle, I, I forgot to bring this up. I meant to a long time ago. Lily James's office. Yeah. Brazil.
1: Yeah. I was, you took it right out of my mouth. Yes, it is Brazil. Bra- yeah. yeah. The,
0: yes. When he's promoted and he's put into the office where the the table is shared between both sides of the wall, mm-hmm. the production design. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Uh, Terry Gilliam, maybe saw concept art of this bunker or something. Uh, and just used it for the film but it's it's so shockingly similar (laughs) yeah it may have been common like
1: it may have just been a common thing i'm sure
0: i'm sure like i don't i don't think that 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 Particular set in it, Brazil was was imaginative or anything. I just think it's fascinating how similar. It would
1: have been it. a really nice little beat, just, just, like, just something for those of us that know Terry Gilliam, just to have her just move the desk a little bit and then it just moved back, <laughs> just moved oh, back. That, that would have
0: made. I would have popped for that. Uh, that would have made me real happy. <laughs> just, <Yeah. laughs> just, the Joker like, in
1: the in the cell. not
0: yeah, just just leave the camera on for just a second. She leaves the room. The t- table goes just a little bit. <laughs> just a, just little a little bit. bit. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, we we head into Parliament, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um. This is and big speech. Ch- yeah, Churchill has the big speech. Same
1: rules as before. If uh, Chamberlain gives the dab on his forehead with the handkerchief, it's all good. Um. But yes, this is this is Winston's big speech.
0: Yes, we shall fight them on the beaches, in the air, all that business. Um, Throughout this, uh, we're cutting back to uh, pretty much all the major characters in the film and their reactions. Uh, The way the film frames it, they're actually listening Mm -hmm. to the speech as it's being delivered. As I said, historically, I don't know that that was the case. I think they would have heard it after the fact, but, you know, it's a movie, whatever the fuck. Um, But yeah, this is him basically rallying the troops. If you haven't heard the speech, it's it's a doozy. It's a doozy. Um, Check it out if you need some patriotic inspiration. But uh, he is finger wagging. He's letting those cells go. <laughs> <laughs> those shells are going to work for the British. Public. That's pretty. Cool. <laughs> he does roll. He does roll his R's sometimes. Uh, yes, yes, that's... he does for for emphasis on the syllables. Right. Um, <laughs> but I love that Halifax doesn't even have a reaction. This is this is framed as like his his defeat. Yeah. Even though, like I said, he's not the bad guy. He just, you know, had a different view on things. But he just like, yeah. He just has his lips purse. I think he his chin down. I think he might give like a, <laughs> his, his eyes closed a little
1: bit. But after yeah, see, he gives a long mm. blink. But <laughs> mm. yes, he he rallies the troop. <laughs> Chamberlain gives the signal, and everybody goes nuts. And I do like when the guy looks over him and says, "What just happened?" He's like, "He mobilized the English language, and sent it to into battle." I'm like, "That's a." that's a cool way to put that nice
0: yeah so yeah chamberlain gives him the nod and uh up uproar in parliament everybody's throwing papers somebody's gotta clean that yeah uh, <laughs> not any of these old farts but somebody uh maybe one of those people from the tube. <laughs> <Maybe>. probably <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, our final shot is uh churchill just kind of like casually sauntering out of the room heading towards the camera and the doors closed behind him snap like just fade to black and uh we get some uh slide we get some ending slides mm-hmm. here Kyle, did you read these
1: uh yeah it was like and hey, world war Two went off without a hitch uh it was all good you you remember that it's it's fine <laughs> now um i think he he saved the the boys from dunkirk um and the war was successful. You know, Britain maintained its independence. Obviously, um, I didn't catch any other ones aside from that.
0: Yeah, just you know, we won, and I, I believe Halifax was kicked out of office. Uh, so any any potential for him to have become prime minister, he was, was dashed dash to pieces shortly after. He
1: this. was sent to Washington uh, shortly after. Yes. this. and uh, Chamberlain died, I think, six months later.
0: Uh, yeah that sounds right and uh later uh five years later uh the war would be over and churchill would be removed from office uh, so good run for everybody for the most part and uh yeah the dunkirk evacuation was regarded as kind of a logistical miracle of sorts so it worked out for churchill most certainly um. uh, so i would imagine he was fairly popular at at that time yeah. i can't speak for like after the fact but during the war, I'm sure he was an, an important important figure, like a beacon of hope. Of yeah, sort of
1: I think story. in hindsight he might have a few smudges. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: they all they do. all do. They every everybody fucks yeah, up. Yeah, I think he's he's got
1: a he's got a few few bugaboos in there. Um, <laughs> uh, but I don't I don't know anything aside from this film uh, about Winston Churchill. But I was gonna say like I, I enjoy this one because um, historical films can be hard to execute and be entertaining. Um, and not look like cheap shit Uh, because there are lots of historical films. Uh, There's several movies about John F. Kennedy I haven't seen.
0: Uh. (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, historical films uh, always run the risk of potentially being very dry, but um, I was telling you before we started recording that this fella, Joe Wright, uh, who directed this, uh, he seems to have a tendency to do like costume dramas or at least historical dramas and uh his sense of style I I kind of like thought of him in the same light as like a Baz Luhrmann Mm -hmm. where he he does have some stylistic flourishes maybe not to that level because Baz goes fucking nuts with his color palettes and his his melodrama uh this fella seems a little bit more subdued but he does seem to I don't know have a passion for trying to put a new coat of paint on old tales Mm -hmm um so uh, he's one to watch maybe um i i have not seen any of his films aside from this one but he does have a fairly extensive filmography of fairly big films so i don't know i would watch some of his other stuff um unfortunately he seems to uh, work with actors that maybe aren't as big of a selling point as gary oldman um but you know it is what it is but uh, i did want to mention that I, I looked it up while we were talking uh, kazuhiro Uh, did the makeup effects for the film Mm. um did a bang up job he's kind of like the the premier um subtle prosthetic makeup effects guy going in hollywood right Mm. now um he also worked with uh, charlize theron a couple of times uh monster most recently I i believe monster and most recently bombshell um but he he's very good at uh subtle facial transformations facial stuff in particular and uh in this one absolutely he did a bang up job and i have seen bombshell and i can attest that everybody looks the part in that film it's a uh, quite convincing stuff uh even with the kind of rough subject matter but um wonderful job on the makeup because uh, like i said seeing the trailers for this movie when it was coming out they did a really shit job of picking the the right shots mm-hmm. to showcase that because it, it did not look it didn't look good and like like regardless of the subject matter or the quality of the performance it's just from a visual standpoint they did a shit job of selling the movie at
1: no point do you think it's Gary Oldman like you you don't see Gary Oldman in the character
0: he comes out a few times when he's shrieking at people yeah, a little bit when he's shrieking yes <laughs> it's only a few times but but yeah he that's always been one of his greatest strengths as an actor mm-hmm. he he disappears into his roles and he seems to have a he always seems to have fun yeah. is the thing. Like like even even Dracula like he's very subdued in that film when he's not being like monster man. Like when he's being like man on the man on the town count. Oh yeah. He's kind he's he's very measured, he's very subdued. Um, it's always kind of weird having Gary Oldman framed as like the handsome man. Yeah. it it comes across as a little weird in that movie bad looking dude but yeah he's not no no absolutely not it's just that's he not usually how things go he had
1: style going for him in that movie when he was like on the town he had
0: Uh, he did have that big old hat he did have the manicured facial hair he did have the sunglasses i cannot wait to watch that movie again um but yeah he 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 always tends to disappear into his his roles and this one particular yeah he he It's a real It's a really complete performance. Both he and Halifax, both from a physical standpoint, uh, they they really like contorted their bodies into a shape that is totally unnatural, I would imagine for both of them. Uh, and it really does a lot to sell it because like just Churchill's like silhouette and his gait. Mm-hmm. like that's something that he had to be thinking about while he's just del- delivering his lines and stuff. And yeah did a great job.. Yeah. So the movie's a little bloated in the middle when we get into that bunker. Uh, It does drag a little bit. And I didn't appreciate being told about the Dunkirk evacuation that many times. Uh, I kind of figured it out after the first time and a half. You didn't have to have the Lily James thing where it's like, this is what's happening in the movie. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, for American audiences, it's like, what the fuck is Dunkirk? We got to put it in here a few times.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, that is something too. That's like, you know, for international audiences, it's not a historic moment. It's just like, What's Dunker? <laughs> and then, like a year later, like the Christopher Nolan movie comes out or whatever. It's like, oh, that's Dunker. That Tom Hardy <laughs> movie? Wait, he was barely in it. <laughs> the Bane plane Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's all I had to yeah. say about Darkest Hour. Uh, so yeah, that was Darkest Hour from 2017, directed by Joe Wright. Uh, this was our second drinking movie uh, for the month of drinking movies. Uh, so stay tuned for further adventures on that front. But uh, in the meantime. Uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other catching up on cinema content uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catching up uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an instagram at catching up on cinema as well as a twitter at catching cinema so feel free to hit me up at either of those uh and the show is available on pretty much every podcasting platform you can imagine including cephalopod so fucking google, google it, it. But that being said, thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.